My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestler, promotion, manager, or platform, and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. He hails from the Diamond Kingdom. It is the Wizard King, Oren Veidt. How are you today, my friend? Oh, I am fantastic. How about yourself? I'm great, man. Thanks for making time for me today. It's really appreciated. Oh, absolutely. We we briefly talked off, off air uh, that I've kind of been a big fan of your stuff for quite a while now. I remember you first starting to pop up on the the GCW shows and things like that. How's everything been tracking for you lately? You obviously had a big weekend with King. Oh yeah. It's uh ever since January twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. things have been absolutely unreal for me. Um I honestly like somebody just gift last night the match I had with G Raver. Yes. At 400 degrees that was like my big breakout show somebody just gifted it last night and i was like well people are still talking about this match um yeah and king was that was an emotional weekend it was everything i've ever wanted you know that that was that was the goal um uh, got to spend it with some close you know some close wrestling friends that made the drive down from minnesota um after another show it was oh, amazing that's awesome, man. I know that um, we we're immediately going out of timeline for those people who aren't for who are, but I'll just I'll just quickly say I know that you know uh, last year's King of the Death matches. You obviously sustained some pretty nasty injuries that sort of led you out. Yep. I know you were pretty disappointed, from what I understand, about not being able to kind of complete that tournament and achieve what you wanted to achieve. So it must have been pretty awesome to survive it this year and, to, and to, to make it to the finals. Yeah, uh, that was definitely the the biggest blow to my career so far. I've had a lot of injuries, you know, torn ligaments, sh- shattered my foot at one point. You know, I've had a lot of, you know, minor setbacks. That setback was, was especially, you know, detrimental to the mental health because that was king of the death match. When, when you get into wrestling and you want to be a death match wrestler, that is the tournament. Yeah. You know, ifs, ands, or buts, that's it. That's the one. And it was it was my time. I was finally going to be there. I was going to have a big push in it. So I was like, oh, this is you know, really kind of vindicating for me in my career. Have the, have the cut almost bleed out and die, you know, literally point one away from being a full-blown blood transfusion. Wow. Uh, and, and, you know, winning the match, but still, you know, being told, hey, 
not allowed to wrestle. We're not, you know, I walk in the door. Ian Rotten's like, I don't even want to hear it. You're not wrestling. It's not worth it. There's always next year. Yeah. And this year, coming in, making it all the way to the finals, um, if, if you haven't checked it out yet uh, and you're listening, please check it out on, on Smartmark Video. Um, you get Prince of the Death matches with it, too. It was very fun to watch. We had a blast watching it from up above. But uh, it was surreal. The the environment and the crowd, because most of the crowd, I think, were, were returning fans that were there last year or have followed my career in one way or another and know that, you know, that happened. Yeah. So as I'm advancing in this tournament, the fans are, like, all collect. You can feel it in the room that, like, oh, shit. Like, can can he do it? Yeah. Is Like, is this going to be that story of, like, he, he came back and he pulled it off? Like, yeah. and it was... It was unreal. That it was a feeling unlike any any you'll ever have. It, it was pretty awesome. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. And I suppose those moments are why you do what you do when you oh, yeah. go go through things like you did last year. You know, <laughs> like it's yep. pretty crazy to hear that after going to the hospital and go through what you did, and then you came back and still tried to get back into it. <laughs> it's pretty. It's oh, pretty yeah. crazy in itself. <laughs> well, we, it, it, you, you learn pretty quick when you're sitting there and you're faced with life or death. Yeah. And it, it's kind of, it's kind of in your face. Like, Hey, you have this like a serious decision to make because yeah. you have genuinely risked your life at this point. And when your first choice without even thinking is like, I got to wrestle. Yeah, then, then you're like, well, guess I'm doing this for life. Yeah, guess I'm in. All right, well, let's put <laughs> yeah. a, a, a pit in that. That'll be a nice teaser for everybody to come up later in the show. And let's rewind to your origins with wrestling and, and how it all started. Because I, I think before somebody makes that choice, it obviously got its hooks in you pretty deep, yeah? So when you think yes. back to when you first saw wrestling, what are some of, like, the faces that stood out to you that, like, when you think wrestling, you think of being a kid and watching it on TV? What what pulled you into wrestling, man? I I went over to a neighbor's house because they were, they were babysitting me, and they, they were awful babysitters, but great at showing me wrestling. Okay. Uh, it was just on the TV. It was it was Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is I'd never seen it before. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is really cool. And it was like it was some replay of SmackDown that he had on a VHS or something. It was great. And then I started to like find it on my own. I was like, oh okay. So this is what this is, and you're you're watching Eddie Guerrero, the lie, the cheat, the steal, you know, and and that time you've got ruthless aggression, John Cena, and then you have Thug Life, John Cena. You've yeah. got Brock Lesnar, who at the time, you know, was doing unreal feats of athleticism, and you know they were doing the hokey shit like breaking the ring and doing all that. But as a kid, you're like, oh my god, this is insane. Yeah. He broke the ring. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> now, as an adult, you're like, okay, I get it. but like, but back then, it's just it's unreal to think about and and to watch and to be like, whoa, this is crazy. And then, you know, I it wasn't very supported in my in my household growing up. I was the only one. You know, a lot of kids like, oh, my dad watched wrestling, so I watched it with him. No, like, my family hated wrestling, but my grandma was, you know, good enough to, like, go out and buy DVDs or something. You know, if I checked out a couple books from the library, I'd get a wrestling DVD, too. So, uh, somehow, 
I conned her into getting me like ECW's bloodiest matches. <laughs> okay. And, and I don't think she realized what she bought. Working grandma and, from a young age. Oh I yeah. Oh yeah. I got her. I got her good. Um, and I turn it on, and there's excellent Ian do Taipei death, and I was like, "Holy shit! This is the greatest thing I've ever seen." How old are you at this point when you're you were watching? Oh, this? I'm maybe twelve. Yeah, right. Perfect age May- to see this. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so I see that, and then I see you know, born to be wired, Sabu slices open his bicep, and you know. And it's ECW, so it's not crazy stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it's wild enough where I'm like, whoa, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And then fast forward, you know, to to when I start, get into wrestling, and I was like, okay, so if I can wrestle, I'm going to do death matches. I want to do this. I tried to go to the CZW school, couldn't afford to move out there. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, okay, that's not going to work. The school I started training with in Minnesota – uh, I was like, yeah, I want to do death matches. And my trainer, I remember after, like, when he found this out, he was like, absolutely not. You will not be doing death matches. You will be a wrestler, and you you won't do that garbage bullshit. I'm like, oh, great, okay. Joke's on him. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> yeah. Look at me and now. <laughs> he, he always, he'll always laugh at, you know, laugh about it. He's like, hey, as long as you tell people that I trained you, I don't care because then I can be famous. Yeah. I was, I was like, nobody knows who you are, Sep. His name was Big Sep, Sepio Saunders. Yeah. Really great guy, yeah. but, you know, not really, a, like, a well-known trainer. Yeah. So. No, that's really cool, like, that, you know, you, but he may he may not approve of it, but it's cool that, you know, he he structured you in the basics and, and in the, like, oh, those yeah. really rock-solid fundamentals, which then go on to inform everything you do. Because when I think about your matches, I think about, that stuff, you know what I mean? You incorporate you know, real wrestling. I'm doing the air quotes things and, and, oh, yeah. and really technical moves. And it's a part of what the current generation of, you know, popular deathmatch wrestlers do, which is not just slinging stuff around you yeah. guys and telling stories. Yep. And, yeah. and I think, and I credit him for that huge because mm-hmm. he, he told us like, you will be good wrestlers. Mm-hmm. You will know your basics. You will never go anywhere and have people be like, Oh, this guy doesn't even know how to lock up. What yeah. what is this dude? He was like, You're I can't teach you moves. I can't teach you crazy wild stuff because he was six eight jacked bodybuilder guy. He's like, That's not me. Yeah. You'll learn that as you go out. And he told us like go out and, you know, eat shit on pay, but like get experience, go places, you know. That's really smart. like refine your work yeah. and, and don't don't stay here. Don't stay in Minnesota. Go other places. And he, he really pushed that on us to go become true wrestlers instead of like, oh, you're going to be this big star at a 40-mile radius. Yeah, you know? yeah. He was teaching you to be journeyman right off the bat yes. rather than like, oh, and then you're going to work for me, brother, and you sign this contract and yeah. you do this. For, yeah, all that bullshit. Like he wasn't hustling you. He was like, I want to help you guys begin a career as traveling wrestlers. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. That's really cool. Does he still train now? Or is he a bit uh, older no, now? No, he he left the business and he got married to the company that I started with. He actually is the son-in-law now oh. of a guy who, who runs that company. The guy that runs the company is that kind of guy. He's like, brother, you're just going to work for me and I'm going to make you a star. We've got we've got TV deals. We've got this. We run more shows than anybody. Yeah, He's yeah. like, Tony, no, you, you have local access that you pay to be on. And... <laughs> 
and then you're you're running fundraisers for the local weightlifting team or the local hockey team, and we never go back to these towns again. And oh, it's just a shit show. But I I did get lucky enough to be on a lot of shows with a man named Eric Cannon, who mm-hmm. if you if you know indie yes. wrestling, yep. he's been around forever mm-hmm. and has done everything everywhere against everyone. And I credit him. He still teaches me stuff to this day. You know, he's he's not my trainer. I don't get that that stamp, unfortunately. But I credit him as my teacher. You know, yeah, yeah. he's the guy. After shows, he was he was sitting down with me because he knew I wanted to learn. Yeah, and he knew that his his time wouldn't be wasted. Mm-hmm. And he told me he's like, the second I give you advice and I see you again and you haven't taken it, he's like, I'm done. Yeah. So he would take so much time to teach me and tell me about the business and the way to do it right and the you know the way to have the right attitude. And I, I credit Eric Cannon for a lot. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I um, I sometimes will post gifts of like uh, ICW no holds barred shows and and things like that on my um my Twitter. And in the last show that you did, uh, there was a particular move you did where uh, you pick the gentleman up like as if it's for a suplex, you put their legs on the on the top of the the chains and then you flip them around like in, into a thing. Look yeah. sick as fuck. I tweeted that out and somebody was like, almost got it like Eric or something. And then he commented, he was like, no, nah, I think he's got that snap <laughs> or whatever. He was still critiquing yeah. you on like my gift. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah that's yeah, awesome. That's, I stole it straight from him. Uh, yeah. And I was I always say I'm like my booth set is just 2004 Eric Cannon, guys. <laughs> yeah, I just do it in deathmatch wrestling. And, yeah, he's still uh, – we just had a match the other night at Time Bomb, which will debut on IWTV Amazing. at some point. Uh-huh. And and I was like, so uh, I'm, I'm assuming for the finish, like I'll hit you with the total anarchy. And he, he looked at me and just shook his head. I was like, not yet. I don't I don't get it yet. He was like, <laughs> not till I retire. I'm yeah. Like, I'm still going to use it. I'm still going to use it. <laughs> but you can't finish it with it. <laughs> no, no. He's like, you can't use my own move against me. Come on. Yeah, fair, Damn, fair. God, one yeah. of these days. Yeah, you'll get him when he least expects it. That'll yeah, be fine. I was like, fair play, fair yeah. play. I get it. So re- rewinding back to childhood really quick, uh, the, the story you say of your grandma uh, buying you wrestling stuff, despite maybe what your family thought resonates yeah. with me. Um, I had an amazing grandmother who used to always like – buy me books and, and toys and things like that. Like there was this uh, series of of books called The Ancestral Trail. I don't know if you guys had them in America. It was like this kind of ongoing story with puzzles and stuff like that. Every week or month or whatever it would come out, she would buy me this book and just like it, it would appear. You know what I mean? Like magic and stuff. Yeah. So – I could only imagine how much deeper I would have got into wrestling had I been exposed to it at that point because I would have just been like, she would have got me whatever I wanted, you know what I mean? And I just would have been like, WWF magazines, it wasn't until like, you know, I was uh, like later than like high school that I started really, you know, get into wrestling. Um, And I I did that sort of watching uh, videos with my dad, you know, Coliseum home video and stuff like that. So, yep. so you never won your family over like to it. They weren't oh, like, Oh, no. he loves it. They, they disapproved of it the entire time. Even oh, yeah. though you were yeah. about they, it. Uh, they always were like, absolutely not. They were like, choose a better, you know, choose a better dream, choose a better this, do that. Like, oh. 
because I was always super smart and they're like, oh, you need to go to college. You need to, you know, have, have a great job or do this or do that. Like, yeah. But I really just kind of want to be a pro wrestler. That sounds yeah. pretty dope. Yeah. And like, absolutely not, uh, fast, like fast forward. I, you know, I have a big falling out with my parents when I'm 15. Oh, okay. Um, I go to make, you know, have this, have this rivalry with John Wayne Murdoch, uh, go to make history in this Iron Man match. Mm-hmm. I find out they're living in Florida okay. at the at the time, mm-hmm. and as a big you know kind of kind of fuck you, mm-hmm. I I go hey uh, I'm gonna be wrestling at this show if you guys would like to stop by, and because uh, they had reached out a bunch, and I was like ah, I'm not so interested. you you and hadn't I, you hadn't been talking to them in a no, while no no had hadn't talked to them since I was 15. Oh wow uh, but okay. They, but they would they would always reach out because you know they regretted their their choices but I was like I have other things to do in my life. Yeah. Uh I reach out as like a you know hey come come see this. They they come out watch me make history in this Iron Man match mm-hmm. and and they were like wow so you're pretty good at this huh? Mm-hmm. I'm like yep. Crazy what happens when you follow your dreams and actually believe in yourself. Yeah. As, as like a big screw you, like, see, I told you I was going to do this. Yeah. And, and that, that felt good for me as yeah. like, hey, like I, I said I was going to do it, and then I went on and did it. Yeah, yeah. And from from such a young age, too, you said it for your entire life you were going to do it. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, yeah, that's all I wanted <sighs> to do. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that must be crazy. Do you now... After that, and after them seeing that, do you guys have a like a bit of a mended relationship now? Like, do they understand a, a little bit more, and or was uh, it kind of just like a one with, night only type situation? Uh, with my my dad will still reach out. And he'll be like, "Oh, I've, you know, I've looked up what you, what you've been doing. Like, hope hope you're safe. Hope that everything's okay." Yeah. And I'll I'll just reply with you know like a thank you or you know like hope all is well, you know, just really mutual, basic stuff and, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy, but I think it was kind of nice for me to be like, Hey, see, see, I could do this. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe you could like appreciate that. I, I was able to do the thing that I said I was going to do as a kid that you didn't, you said I couldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's pretty awesome. And, and it's, you know, I suppose it's nice that they at least can kind of look back at, you know, that kind of stuff and, and reflect on and go, maybe we did make mistakes and maybe right. we should should have supported him because that's an awful long time to not speak to your family, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't spoken to my brother's like a mess. Like I don't even know where he is at yep. the moment, but like I haven't spoken to him in, geez, what is it, 2021? Yeah. I don't know. How long have I been with my wife? I don't know. <laughs> 11 years or something like yep. that because he's just uh, – Um, Yes, a drug addict, uh, somebody that, you know, took advantage of my parents and they would continuously sort of support him through all this stuff. And I just saw and I was like, there needs to be a consequence for what you have done and what you do do. And if they, I I understand why my, my mother does put up with him because she's like, I brought him into this world. He should be my problem. And I a hundred percent thing, but I'm like, one of us has to be the consequence here. And so he doesn't get to have a brother is how I look at it, you know? So, I mean, that's kind of serious stuff. And so for them to kind of turn around and go, yeah, we will come and accept that olive branch and stuff like that's pretty amazing, man. Yeah. And I, I was surprised that they did it. I, I wasn't expecting, or I was expecting like, Oh yeah, sorry. We just couldn't make it or, you know, so, something like that. But yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. Like I'll, I'll take it. You know, like I, 
I have no intention of ever having a relationship really with my mother. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cause she's kind of the same way as your brother, like as a oh, massive okay. drug addict, you know, oh, never had to deal with consequences. Yeah. Uh, and, but my, my dad, I always believed that there's something good in him, you know, like he's just, he's just got too good of a heart, I yeah. think okay. for, for what he's doing. So I was like, I, I'll be at least civil. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. civil. that's it. And, uh, and the important thing is that you, you know, you've, made your own way and then yeah you can you know see see how it all goes so if yep. you if you've separated with them or they they're not around when you're 15 how do you then i don't know live your life and go on to do things like when you don't have parental support at a age that young like who do you call on um i i go i go on to live with uh what would be the the mother of my child uh we we live together with with her with her mother um, for, for quite a while, eventually we separate, mm-hmm. uh, and then I move in with, with my grandma until I, until I'm 18. Yeah. Um, and what, once I turned 18, I was out on my own. I was, I was out and you know, once, once I could legally own my own place, yeah. you know, I, I had, I had that set and ready to go. So the second I turned 18, I was, I was out living. Yeah. You know, I was, I was a manager at a, at a local McDonald's and you know, life was good. I was, you know, just crushing it. <laughs> And so I I did all that and yeah it, it ended up working out pretty well yeah yeah exactly it's awesome I mean and if you've got that work ethic as well from a young age like not a lot of fifteen year olds and you know even up to eighteen understand what it's like to maybe not have that you know financial support from the parents and stuff it sounds like you were out immediately kind of working oh, and yeah. stuff did you did you finish out high school or did you just, you drop out um, of work or I I got all the way to the end of high school uh, with great grades, uh, 3.98 GPA, you know, just absolutely great. I uh, had marks good enough to get accepted into Harvard because uh, that, that was like my other thing was if I'm not going to be arrested, I'm going to be a Harvard lawyer because okay. – I don't know. That's what they told me to do as a kid. They're yeah. like, you could argue your way out of a locked room. You should be a lawyer. And I was like, okay. And that, for whatever reason, that just stuck with me. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, I'm not about to get any scholarships to go to Harvard. That's going to be incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I chose, uh, no, probably not. And then my son's mom was like, hey, uh, you really need to move back here. Uh, you know, I was going up there every weekend, but still working a full-time job. So the second school would let out, I'd sprint over, you know, 25 minutes to the to the next town over, start my shift, work until three in the morning, get to get to high school at you know at eight, go and just repeat that all week, and then While drive being a two young hours father. north. Wow. Yep. Yeah, okay. Jesus. Yep. And then I drive two hours north, spend the weekend with my family, uh-huh. I drive back down. And it was, oh, it was just a, a big thing. And she's like, you need to move up here now. And I was like, hey, give me another month until the middle of the semester so I don't lose all my credit. Yeah. And she's like, no, I need you to move now. Mm. So I was like, okay. Yeah. I go to move. Mm. I drop out. I move. I get up there. And then she's like, uh, I'm not ready for this yet. <laughs> yeah. This is the most teenage relationship I've ever heard. For- <laughs> oh, my God, it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, dude. And so, yeah. So then I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm just gonna work full time. So then I just took on a, you know, a full time department manager position at, at the at the McDonald's and just continued to be promoted. And I was like, well, this is my career now. Yeah. 
I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I haven't yeah. worked for McDonald's, but I've definitely worked in fast food before. Um, my yeah. my wife kind of had a, a similar sort of thing where she had worked with uh, a company called Chicken Trade. I don't know if it's a thing in America, but it's no. you know a chicken restaurant. Uh, and straight out of high school, though she very intelligent like yourself, yep. like uh, had done really well. She already had this kind of good job she was doing. And so she walked straight out and, and was immediately managing a store like with good yep. money, you know, like yep. straight out the gate. Yes. And so she's got all these friends, they've done art and things like that. And they've gone to uni and they've done all these things. But then now she's, you know, left there. She works for this company uh, that does records and videos and DVDs and all sorts of stuff here. Uh, TV, JB Hi-Fi and is a manager there. And then they're like, how are you like earning more than us when we're doctors and stuff? Because she just worked, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, the entire yeah, time. She, and, she has yeah. actual like work experience. Yeah, yeah, of, exactly. Like, uh, and you tenure, know, university you know, degree. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like I, I can completely understand the Lord just going, well, I'm just going to grind it out. And at the same time, I yep. assume you're still thinking maybe I could train for wrestling and maybe I can get some yes. money under me to do it. So, Yes. So how do you find your trainers? This while you're at McDonald's or like uh, what so, are you doing? So I, I jumped ship. Okay. Um, I I had a, a falling out. I had opened a brand new store at McDonald's. Um, and then there was a, a nice, cute girl that worked, you know, who was who was my age. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, hey, you're kind of cute. And I'm young and stupid. Yeah. Um, so I end up in a relationship with her. And they're like, well, you can't be a manager if you're going to date your employees. And I was like, well, then I'll leave. Oh, no. <laughs> so so I, I went and jumped ship to Hardee's, uh, become an assistant store manager there. Uh, and then I had an employee ask me, like, if you could do anything else other than manage fast food, because I, I genuinely loved my job. I was like, hey, you know, I'm seeing these teenage kids that normally would come in and hate their job, love it, you know. Things are great. It's a happy work environment. Uh, one of them asked me, like, if you do anything else, what is it? I said, well, I'd be a pro wrestler. And when I said that, I was like, oh, oh, shit. Still like, there. Maybe I should, like, look into this. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I kind of, like, had been making money, you know, saving, you know, living on my own, you know, just kind of going out throughout life. But, you know, every Monday, every Friday, I'm watching wrestling. I'm, you know, the – still the biggest thing in my life outside of it. Yeah. And then after I said that, I was like, Oh shit. Then I, I start looking for schools and I go to the CZW thing for a tryout. Doesn't work out. Awful. Grandma went with me for that. We drove. Took um, you to a CZW tryout. It's yeah, the most metal yeah. grandma of all time. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. As, as we drive from Minnesota all the way to Philadelphia, cross country. Yeah. Uh, and then, get home that doesn't work out she just sends me this thing on the paper and she's like hey what about this and i laugh it off i was like whatever this is just some bullshit thing it's not it's not going to be anything Mm -hmm. i send him an email because that's the only way i could find it and i was like i'm not going to go to this show i don't know any of these people um all of a sudden one night i'm watching i'm watching raw with my my then girlfriend at the time and uh i get a phone call it's from it's from the the dude. Uh, he's like, "Hey, uh, this is Tony Danucci with the AWF," and I was like, "Oh, hi." <laughs> and of course, like a typical like a typical worker, you know, like a typical salesman, he's got me on the phone for two hours. Oh wow! And he's he's pitching the biggest best thing ever, and like, if you come train with us, this would be great. 
He, we set it up. We made it a Dairy Queen, at, like on the south side of town in, in St. Cloud. And we sit down, and he's you know just this jacked, roided out guy who's way late in age, but he's still holding on. And he's like, sign this contract right here, and you'll start training tomorrow, and yada yada yada. So I'm stupid. I, I number hand one over free agent for five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I hand over my check, and I'm like, okay, I can't wait to start training. And then I start training. I was like, what the fuck is going on? This is terrible. And Eventually, my actual trainer, Sepio, comes in, and he, he takes over, and I'm like, okay, this, this isn't bad. I didn't pay a penny more for training. Yeah. I got, I got away with it. Everybody else paid him, like, three grand. I paid him <laughs> $500, and he would bug me every time. He's like, when are you going to pay me? I was like, oh, I'm, just, I'm working really hard because I was working. I then went to work in two jobs Chases. to pay for training yeah. and, and to keep a house. And, uh, and he's like, when are you, you going to pay me? I was like, listen, I'm wrestling on your shows. You can deduct my pay from what I owe you. Ah, there you go. Because okay. I, was, I was so full of myself. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, yeah, he, he just gave it up. And he's like, whatever. Um, <laughs> and, of course, he, he fired me and rehired me many times. Yeah, yeah. You know, back, back and forth, he's like, oh, I, I can't use you anymore. And then he'd be like, hey, are you free this day? I'm like, what <laughs> yeah, the hell? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that's so funny. Uh, but, but yeah, dude, like I, I can only imagine like the level of pressure and responsibility of being a young father and doing all of that, like working full oh, yeah. time and doing the school and stuff. That's crazy, man. And it really shows like quite a lot of work ethic. At which point do you then like um, start to get out of like he said that forty mile radius and from doing their show? Sepio's telling you about traveling and doing stuff. So how do you start to break out of that area. I don't know, actually, I don't know much about American geography at all. So Minnesota sounds far away and it sounds cold. So how does somebody <laughs> yes. get like, how does somebody get out of that barren wasteland? How about that? So, no offense so to Minnesota. That's exactly what Minnesota is. Okay. It is a barren wasteland of, of, no, of nothing of real value. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's First Wrestling, which is run by Eric Cannon, mm-hmm. a very reputable, very it, yeah. you know high profile in Minnesota. Otherwise, there isn't shit. Okay. Um, we we go do a bunch of shit shows in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Talk to a guy that promotes shows in Canada. That guy's like, "Hey, you're young. Like, you're you're hungry. We have shows that we run. It's not a lot of money, but you can be on like a two week tour of Canada." And my, my tag partner at the time, who really doesn't wrestle anymore, uh, he's now expecting a child. He and his, his now wife are both nurses. He made the good decision to get a really high-paying job and not continue to hurt his body. Yeah. Um, and so we're like, yeah, let's do it. We, we go up, we travel Canada, um, and, and just do these tours with like, you know one random name that was like kind of a name sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you're just hoping to make him money to eat, yeah. knowing that you're going to come out so far in the hole. Yeah. And it's going to be awful. But, like, you get to eat food every night, and, like, you learn a lot because you're wrestling in front of different crowds, different stuff. Yeah. Other than that, uh, my manager when I started, uh, his name was Benjamin Stacks. He, he now has quit wrestling because he ran, he ran two of his own shows, and he's like, fuck this, never again. Yeah, he's right. like, I've lost so much money. Um <laughs> And he still watches all my stuff, and we, we still talk every single day. Uh, but he would message companies and be like, hey, 
I have a young tag team, or like they can work each other, and we have a referee. Uh, like we have a whole carload that we can bring. So they're like, sure, sounds good. Like yeah. we can't promise you pay, but you can come out. We go work these awful shows in like Southside Chicago, where like there's no, it's not any notable Chicago indie. It's just this shithole. Mm-hmm. But you meet people who then work at the better ones, mm-hmm. and they like you, and they're like, hey, yeah, you can get a shot. You get your foot in the door, and slowly but surely that you know that geography goes from forty miles to oh now we're driving seven hours every weekend to a show now you know yeah yeah exactly. slowly word but of surely. mouth getting to know people they're like yeah. oh you're a normal human that's like pleasant to be around of course you can come and be involved in this thing <laughs> like, you know? which is so weird because I'm so introverted uh, like on. Unless I have something in common with somebody, I'm pretty introverted. Yeah, right, right. But with but with wrestling, it's like once somebody starts talking to me about something, I'm like, oh, I can I can work with this. Yeah, yeah. And then next thing you know, you you talk to the same dude that you met at a show six years ago in Valparaiso, Indiana, which is if you don't know, is just the smallest football. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and. Next thing you know, you're, you're best friends with that guy. You, you talk, you know, on and off all the time. And he's like, hey, I'm running a show. You want to be on it? Sounds good, man. Yeah. yeah. It's, I'll, I'll come hang out for a weekend. Heck yeah. yeah. You know? Exactly. I, no, I get that as well. I think I'm kind of the same. Like, I can, I mean, we're complete strangers and in talking to you over this, like, like last, what, half an hour or whatever. Like, yeah. we obviously vibe quite well, right? And I feel like I'm like that with a lot of people. And it's why this kind of show has been going quite well, because I can genuinely... Uh, empathize with people and, and kind of find common threads and stuff. But if I was left alone forever, I would also be totally fine because I'm yep. quite happy on my own. Yep. You mean I could just do what I want? All right, I'm just going to go do that. Like, it, it doesn't really faze yep. me. And so it is pushing outside of yourself in order to achieve what you want. Like, I, it's one part of that, this podcast I kind of hate. I hate bothering people and putting people out, you know? Like, I reach out to somebody like yourself. You've got stuff going on. I'm a stranger. Hey, man, do you maybe want to give up part of your day? Time is the most valuable thing in the world. Is that cool kind of thing? And then, you know, it can be worthwhile and you can have a really great conversation and do something awesome. But in doing wrestling and in doing, like, I was in bands for a long time and things like that, it's all networking. That is everything. That's like everything, you know? (laughs) So I can see it just being inch by inch, slowly getting out. So as you start to get out and your name starts to grow and you're going, actually, just a quick rewind. What was the name of the tag team? <laughs> I need to know. Oh, so we were, we wanted to be, um, we wanted to be the coven. Okay. Um, but instead they, in Canada, called us the convent, which is just a place where nuns hang out. Yeah, yeah that's not cool and, at all. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's what we ended up being called. The convent. And we were stuck as the convent. Did you? Did you I just like lead into it and wear like nuns' habits and yep. like? Yeah. <laughs> no, we, were, we were just. We were just like, screw it. We're, no matter what we say, we're just badass like, nuns. We're, yeah, we're we're screwed, and so we just ran with it because we're like, you know what, wrestling fans. Hopefully, they just don't get it. And some people would be like, hey, that's not right. But most people would be like, oh, we don't care. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, whatever. God. But. I, I think it just became like this shitty rib, you know? Like, I was like, I think they did this shit on purpose. <laughs> They're just like, now calling us this shit forever <laughs> just to yeah, amuse themselves. Yeah, yeah, like, we're doomed. Yeah. <laughs> were, were you like uh, mysterious brooding type characters? 
Oh, oh yeah, because yeah. I thought I, that you know I'm like you know what I'm gonna get this giant satanic tattoo and I'm gonna have all these things and like I'm gonna wear satanic clothing and wear pentagrams on my gear and Jake my tag partner is the nicest happiest like go lucky guy ever yeah, yeah. and it's him him as a heel is the best thing you'll ever see because he doesn't know how to do it <laughs> at all so he just yells at people and oh he's so out of his element but as a babyface he's the most over and you'd ever you'd ever watch. Yeah. Right. But watching him have to be a heel all through Canada and this gimmick that he is absolutely not. I wasn't either, you yeah. know, as I would come to learn. But like you have him be this dark brooding heel. I was like, this isn't him, but oh boy did I have fun watching him do that. <laughs> You're like, if I'm laughing at him, I don't know if this is gonna stick quite the same way that I intended. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah but it, it was a blast. It was a blast. Because like then we'd be at the merch table and little little kids would come up and they'd ask us to sign you know the event poster mm-hmm. and and Jake would be like yeah I'll do it for a dollar and so they they pay him a, a dollar which in Canada's fucking nothing yeah um and then they go over to Frankie Kazarian who was right next to us and they ask him to sign it Frankie would sign it and they're like well he he told me it was a dollar and he's like yeah well apparently they're good businessmen he'd look over it and like what are you doing man <laughs> so I'm trying to <laughs> oh, eat, bro. It, was, it was a blast it was a blast. <laughs> That's yeah, so like, funny. hey man, we 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 got to afford that McDonald's on the drive over to the next town. Like, exactly. you have a guarantee. We do not. <laughs> we got to make that money while the sun shines. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Were you uh, Oren Vite then, or did you have another more evil name? Yeah, I was. I was Oren Vite, but I was mm-hmm. the Dark Prophet. I was like, oh. this is gonna work. This is gonna work. The yeah. Dark Prophet. Yeah, that's it. I don't even know what that gimmick was. Yeah, stupid, sexy nun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's and, so funny. And then, you know, we're, we're touring Canada with that. And it, it isn't until, you know, I, I start to, I start noticing that, like, me as a heel, when my work, you know, my work became better and better because I was traveling all the time, you know, wrestling people better than I. Mm-hmm. So that's the only way you're getting better. Uh, I noticed that, like, when I was wrestling in Minnesota, even as a heel, I would flip the crowd off and say disparaging things about their mothers and whatever I needed to do. And I'd still matches by cheating, and the crowd would go, Woo! Yeah. I was like, Oh, well, I guess just being me and, like, wrestling, however, is working. Yeah. And so I was like, Maybe I just drop the gimmick and, like, change it. And my wife was like, you're not going to do that, are you? Like, that's a lot of rebranding. I was like, nah, it's fine. And so I I completely rebranded, and it was the best I could have done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the the Wizard King moniker really stands out, like, straight away. Um, Right. I remember seeing you, like, uh, with the, the cloak jacket thing for the first time, which is fucking awesome. Like, you know... And you're in deathmatch, which is completely different. Like most guys are just wearing a cutoff and some, you know, shorts or whatever, and out yeah. you come with this billowing cloak and you're calling yourself the Wizard King and stuff. It it stands out immediately, and people are going to gravitate towards that, right? So it's right. pretty awesome. So uh, tell me about the origins for the Wizard King. At which point did – so did you give up the Dark Prophet and just be Oren Vite, or did you immediately transition to the Wizard King? It- yeah, it, it was the immediate transition. Okay. I I had just started doing death matches. I, I go on this road trip with uh, 
uh, Dysfunction, who was a, a longtime deathmatch guy, and you know, I we we go we go on the road, go down to West Virginia, and I I was notorious for I'd I'd watch you know I'd binge watch something on my iPad on these long interstate drives that are just empty roads at two in the morning just to keep myself awake because nobody else ever wanted to drive, so I start watching this anime called Black Clover, and the whole thing every episode they're saying it like. I'm going to be the Wizard King. I'm going to be the Wizard King. And there's this really dope intro about being the Wizard King. And I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. And eventually the drive home, this function finally goes, I feel like this is about this dude wanting to be the Wizard King. I feel like he's really about, I was like, yeah. Yeah, I think he is. <laughs> if there's one thing yeah. I know from hearing this show, I've I've watched the first two episodes of Black Clover now because I'm a – journalist or something and I was doing some research I'm like well I want to watch it and I like cool anime so I'm like maybe I'll check something out the version I've got like there's no English dubs on this app called Crunchyroll so I'm watching it in Japanese you know with subs did you watch a version with dubs so he was like hearing that yeah yeah so he's hearing somebody scream Wizard King over and over and over again yeah oh yeah he says a lot relentlessly (laughs) yeah yeah relentlessly and and dysfunction once he said it I was like you know what I'm going to change it. I remember getting back from that trip and, yeah. and going up to, you know, my now wife. And I was like, I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to make that change. She's like, but, but you have merchandise. This is the dark prophet. Like you're advertised at that. People know you as that. Fucking nobody knew me as the dark prophet. Nobody. Yeah. I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> and the second I switched to wizard King, all of a sudden people like a lot of people just know me by like, Oh, that's, that's the wizard King. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, ah, see, cause it worked. Yeah, the rebranding worked exactly. You you always felt like it wasn't really sticking for you, and then you found something that was true to yourself, and then that immediately caught fire because then you've got yeah. a common thing with people, and they can tell you're legit. You know what I mean? You're not pretending anymore. Yeah, and it was so it felt so much better. And I, I tell the the kids that I I help train at, at Rocky Mountain here. I'm like, yeah. you need to find something that's you. I get that like you're supposed to be a character, you're supposed to be this or that, but if you aren't you, the fans aren't going to give a shit. Yeah. Unless you're really good at being something else. Yeah. Uh, and I and I, I'll tell them the story of you know like when I became the Wizard King and I and I started just being like, hey, you know, I'm just a dude that watches anime and likes Yu-Gi-Oh and watches po- you know plays Pokemon Go every day and you know I do this or I do that. Like I'm not this dark brooding guy. Like I might not be religious, but guess what? The people that actually play the dark characters good really are into that stuff and like have that other layer of appreciation for it that I yeah. just don't. Yeah. And I'm like, they're going to do it a thousand times better than me. So I'm going to just be me, which I can do better than anybody yeah. else. You know, exactly right. You're not competing with anybody else. Yes. You're just, you're just competing with yourself. You know, what could I yeah. do to push outside of myself and promote myself in interesting ways, you know, and be exactly. Who you are. Yeah, exactly. So how does one, get a fucking awesome white cloak made because that cloak jacket thing that you wear is obviously like inspired from that stuff and and it stands out immediately what kind of manufacturer are you going to for something like this uh oddly enough there was there was a startup gear gear making uh couple they they were longtime wrestling fans yeah uh and they they were like you know what we've done a lot of cosplay we're really into this kind of stuff uh-huh. uh we would really like to because you now they go to shows and see enough people in really shitty gear and they're yeah. like hey we'd like to not see that yeah could we help that so they they started doing some gear and i messaged them i was like what you know they're they live close yeah 
I messaged him like, hey, I sent him a picture of Seto Kaiba, the you know the main antagonist, then became good guy in Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. And I was like, what are the odds? Because you know I'm seeing all these things, you know, entrance jackets like you know the guys in Japan, the Edos of the world yes. have these cool entrance jackets. Mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like I need something like that, yeah. but it's probably super expensive. Mm-hmm. I messaged them. I was like, what are the odds? And they they're like, whoa, we've never done something like that. But we'd really like to. Yeah. And so they said, if you are willing to work with us and like trust us and you know kind of go through the the learning curve, it's pay for materials and you know let's let's make this happen. Yeah. And I couldn't have been any happier with how it turned out. So cool. Man. Oh, I was thrilled because I I walk over and they show it to me. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Exactly. Is and, it like and a, so many people? Yeah. Oh, I mean, so many people like, must be reacting to it and stuff like that. Oh and, yeah. And speaking yeah, of fans of that out. kind of stuff, you know, and especially like when you talk about how big death matches are in Japan, you know where I mean, and you think about New Japan and All Japan and all those guys wearing those huge coats, you would immediately appeal to that audience straight away. They're like, yes. oh, this is this is our guy, like straight away. Yes. They're like, we know, we know this guy. Like yeah. we we like. This is, we see this. We know that that means this dude's fucking good. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like, like that, that's like a sign of like, that guy gets it. Yeah, So yeah. I'm like, oof, I get that, you know, that, that's gonna, it's gonna start checking these boxes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. But it is a, it is a hassle. Yeah, I was about to say, because I I have seen it drop off a little bit, like in your entrances, because it's probably pretty huge and pretty heavy, right? It is, and like, and it takes up half the gear bag. Yeah. So, like, if if people specifically request that I go, hey man, like, I will gladly bring it, but you got to pay for an extra bag because otherwise, I am not. This is not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> and Rocky Mountain, where you know I'm only driving, you know, thirty minutes to a show, I always wear it, and they're like, and I've asked them, I'm like, hey, like, can I switch it up sometimes? They're like, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fair, fair. I guess I, I guess I'll bring it every time. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna wear it for the finals of King of the Death Match, but I didn't think about the fact that I would already be covered in blood. Yeah. And I'm not about to attempt to get that out of the jacket. No, it's white, like yeah. with a blue yeah. interior. It'll be wrecked yeah. forever. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was doomed if I did it. Yeah, time. yeah. Shit. So I should have wore it for the opening round. Yeah, well, there you go. That would have been all right. But like you said, you would have yeah. uh, like oh, so you actually took it with you to do it, and then realized and that then like I, you brought it yeah, for no I reason. Blew it. Oh, no. I blew it. Fuck, that sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The the gear you wore in the final. So I haven't had a chance to watch King of the Death matches, but you wore Black Clover inspired gear there as yes. well, didn't you? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. By the same gear makers, the same yeah, people right. that made the jacket. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. They 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 made that gear, and because I, I was like, you know what, I I think it'd be cool to like start doing, you know, gear that can be different and be anime inspired. So yeah. I, I'm just picking random ones, and I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Should we do it on pants? Should we do it on trunks? And they're like, they're loving it. Yeah. Because their creative juices get the flow, and they're like, we get to just make random shit that we enjoy. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. Nobody else is pushing out outside the boundaries yeah. and doing all this weird anime-inspired stuff, so that's awesome. Exactly. That's so cool, man. So I, I guess then we'll fast forward a little bit. So you you get out um, of that area. You start doing death matches. Um, how does the first one happen? First one happens... Um, 
I'm traveling with a guy who's now retired, Cody Rice. Uh, he was also from Minnesota. He also had the same love for death matches. Um, he was good friends with a guy, uh, the guy that does commentary for IWA Mid-South, Nick Manoa. Um, and a spot comes open, uh, literally like late night, and it's like, hey, we can go to IWA tomorrow, but we got to drive 13 hours. And I was like, hell yeah. We go to IWA. We wrestle uh, normal matches, but they see me. They know me. Prince of the Death comes around, and I'm like, yes, please. I'd really like to be in it if you'd have me. Mm-hmm. And they say, yeah, we'd love to have you. Mm-hmm. And I worked my first death match ever in Prince of the Death match. Oh, wow. And, uh, and it was his first round match with Cody Rice and, a, and another guy. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. I remember we were the second match. First match before us, these light tubes. I'd never actually heard them in person. Yeah. And you hear the bass of those awesome. popping and the, and the sound. And, like, you can hear the danger, yeah. you know? So I'm sitting back there, and I'm like, oh, fuck, what did I get myself into? Mm-hmm. And I go out there, and, you know, the first time, you know, the blood starts to go, and the fans are going nuts, and you're like, yep. This I I was right. This is what I want to do. Yeah, just loved and, it immediately. Uh, oh yeah, instantly. And I had worked for a place, normal wrestling for uh, ICW Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, they had they kind of gone away from death matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I worked for them a couple times. Dysfunction stops booking me because I go over on my time in a match. Dysfunction hates me at this point. Mm-hmm. I see he's starting to do death matches. I reach out. I was like, hey man, like. Uh, I know, I know you're you're not too keen on me, but I see you're doing death matches. I'd really like to come in and do some death matches, and I know that I've worked for you before. Would you be open to it? I he's like, yeah, sure. I go, I wrestle Marcus Crane. Oh wow! And and so we have this crazy death match. My back looks like wife beater of old. Yeah. And <laughs> and I was like, yep. This is it. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And I, it just more and more is ingrained in me. And we're doing it in the shitty little dive bar in, like, the scum part of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're, the crowd's maybe a quarter capacity at this time. Uh, but they're going. They're loud. They're screaming. They're, they're having a blast. And then it starts to become every month, you know, once he saw, oh, hey, this kid can do death matches. I two months later I win the insane eight for my my first time mm-hmm. and all of a sudden these crowds are picking up we're we're selling out every show and I'm doing a death match in the main event and my like my kind of my confidence and my ability is just skyrocketing because he's bringing in a name to work with me every time and you know I, I know that I have my spot I get to drive with young kids who were training at the time and, you know, they get a chance to, to work some stuff and, you know, it's uh, all of a sudden it becomes a monthly thing. And then the, the bookings start to grow and they start to grow and it, it starts to just take off like crazy. Yeah, exactly. And like, before you know it, you're like, Oh, I guess I'm like a full fledged death match wrestler now. Come out of nowhere. Yeah. 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 I was like, I guess that this is who I am now. You know, I'm, I'm not like, you know, Eric Cano always gives me shit. He's like, no, you're just a wrestler. I was like, yeah, but I take pride in calling myself a deathmatch wrestler. You know, I, I take pride in being known as like, that guy is a deathmatch guy, but like, but if you watch him wrestle, you'll be amazed, you yeah. know? Yeah, that, that's that's awesome, man. That's It's always going to set you apart, you know, when you, 
you're focusing on those fundamentals and you're finding interesting and creative ways to use the oh, yeah. weapons and you know environments that you're in which is, which is really yeah. really awesome it's funny that you say about the pop of the light tubes because that was I think the moment that I got into deathmatch wrestling as well so I've, pro- I've told the story before on the podcast but I'll, I'll tell you um, I had never really seen any deathmatch stuff I was of course aware of it but like yep. it was never really something that I cared about hardcore match or whatever on things I watch it but it wasn't really what I was about massive New Japan fan um, my wife and I and another friend of ours, Mo, who does my art for the podcast, we had been to Japan regularly to catch Wrestle Kingdom. So I've been like to Japan yeah. like five times, right? So on the the first couple of times we went, it was with big groups of people and it wasn't really wrestling trips. And then everybody else kind of fell off and we're like, we're just going to watch wrestling now. Like this is what yep. we're doing, right? So yep. we went to the, the Wrestle Kingdom where um, Jericho came into versus Kenny Omega and we were yes. looking for stuff to do. And when... You go to a Wrestle Kingdom week and stuff like that. All the other promotions, Freedoms, Big Japan, All Japan, DDT, they're all doing stuff around it, yeah? And yep. like in Karakun Hall and stuff leading up to it. Uh, we had a, a mutual friend on whose brother is the wrestler Chris Vice, and he was wrestling for Zero One. And she was like, you should go check out Vicey kind of thing. And we're like, okay, cool, we'll do that. And yeah. when we're in there... Uh, somebody gave us a flyer for Big Japan was going to be the next night. And at this point, we're like hungry to watch any wrestling we can. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, Curricon Hall's an amazing place. You can just bring your drinks oh. in. We're having like a party, right? Like it's amazing. Yes, the it, best. It's the best place in the world. And so yep. we, we leave that and we, we're jacked on that show. It's awesome. And we're looking through all the flyers and stuff on the train on the way home. And I pull out the Big Japan flyer because they give you like a show bag, you know. I've got post-it yep. notes around Big Japan post-it notes and stuff. Uh, and I look through it and the um, the title match is like a hundred light tube death match for the um, Big Japan death match title, Abdullah Kobayashi. I'm like, do you guys want to see this? It might be pretty crazy. And they're like, we don't care. And we go. And when that started and the first guy gets swung into the tubes, like they're all, all strapped on the ropes. And goes, yes. Yep. And everybody in the front row is wearing the ponchos and they're covered in glass. We're like, what the fuck is this? Like, you know? <laughs> and then it was just like, we need to go and see more of these, you know? And then we've gone on to see Freedoms at Shinkiba and like all this stuff. But then it's kind of changed my life quite a lot because then I've like become this huge Deathmatch fan and predominantly interviewed Deathmatch wrestlers because you're also awesome. But that... That pop, that the first time was, I feel like that was the moment as well, right? Like, it's so visceral. Because you're like, oh, my God. You feel like you're doing something illegal. Yeah, yeah. You feel like like I I should not legally be allowed to watch what's happening right now. Yeah, just these guys cut each other up. Like, someone's calling the police, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for me, I'm like, oh, this is, I still sometimes, like, in, in different venues, I'm like, I feel like this is wrong. I yeah. feel like it's like somebody's going to be like, what the hell is happening? Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. You must get some looks as well. Like when you, if you come into the hospital and, and things like that and, you know, cuts and stuff like that, they must be like, do, do we need to call the police? Have you been attacked? Oh, the, the, yeah. the, best, the best one was, um, I, I've been to the hospital twice now. Um, the G-Raver one was this tiny little cut on my arm just wouldn't stop bleeding. Yeah, okay. uh, so eventually my my manager, or you know, who is, again, friend I talk to every day, mm-hmm. hates death matches, hates them. Yeah. But 
I start to get him into it. As I start doing death matches and we're living together, yeah. uh, you know, he's starting to be like, okay, let me see what this is about. Okay. And he's like, and he starts to see the appreciation for it. He watches Alex Cologne, watches Danny yeah. Havoc. And he's like, okay, so it's not what I think it is. Yeah. Like there's actually like, there's an art to this. Mm-hmm. This is still wrestling. Okay. Um, and so he, he's like, look, man, you got to go in. You're, you're going pale. Yeah. We, we go in. And I've just my back is shredded, my everything is destroyed. But it's just this one little thing that won't stop bleeding. Yeah. And I remember everybody that was working on the ER floor that night in Chicago came in to see my back and to hear the stories and to see the video clips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They thought it was the craziest, wildest shit they've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm like, I'm like, I swear to God, it's not bad. Just please, like, I can't afford to be here because at the time I didn't have insurance. Yeah. Like, just please, just makes sure this stops bleeding and like don't worry about all this other shit i'm used to all this other stuff i don't get like this is fine yeah they're like look we're gonna clean you up we're gonna make sure everything's sanitized and then like we'll we'll put some like medical grade super glue they gave me a bunch of like free like medical grade shit but they're like we're not gonna charge you for it that's awesome we're not gonna like they were the best it cost me like a hundred bucks oh that's amazing you know because they were like look we get it It it's a fun story you know the night wasn't too busy tonight you know, everybody's going to talk about it for a long time. You're all good. Oh, so that was awesome. Cool. Great. Yeah, yeah. And and they were like, I was like, please tell me you're going to tell other people. They're like, oh, yeah, we're talking about this for months. <laughs> <laughs> when you walk so, through, so that like, they're cool. probably like, did you come through a car window? Like, what the hell oh, happened yeah. to you? Yeah, yeah. yeah and the, be- the best part was like, I, I had my arm wrapped and, I, and they're like, hey, like, we need to see the wound. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, when this comes off, I'm going to pour blood everywhere. I, I do it. I start pouring blood everywhere, and they're like, "What the hell?" Like I told you, I told you this was gonna happen. They must be and so wild. Like uh, I think probably the wildest thing for them would just be your nonchalance about the entire thing. Oh, How yeah. you're just like, "Oh yeah, it's just this hole. I went through this glass pane," yeah. and, blah, and they're like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that, that's the best part is like I, I I gave them a warning before I take my shirt off, and I, I was like, "Look, it's so hear me out. It's gonna look bad." But I swear, it's just this tiny hole in my arm. And I take, I take my my shirt off, and my my friend's like, "Dude, if you could have seen the doctor's face, you would have died." Because like they were like, "Oh my god, what am I seeing?" Yeah. And and that that's, and all your existing scars and all that kind of stuff. You oh, know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that that's still the case. Like whenever people see my back, they're like, "What happened to you?" Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm whatever about everything at this point. You yeah. know. If I'm squirting blood, I know, look, just don't freak out. Just because if you freak out, it gets worse, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Luckily, I was like, I had that in my mind to start, so I never had to worry. But, like, you know, everybody else is telling me to calm down. I'm like, well, you need to calm down. I'm totally fine. <laughs> I was like, I just, let's let's assess the damage and let's go from there. And yeah. they're like, whoa, just don't worry. I'm not. Now you're making me worry by telling me not to worry. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're the one making me worry. When Yeah, I was like, I was like you need to calm down. When I think about like deathmatch wrestling and stuff like that, I always wonder about that trade-off, right? Like the excitement and the adrenaline and everything in the moment versus the aftermath, right? Like so, you know, like I see it in your face right now, obviously – that's a lot of work. I feel like for you, you'd probably be like, I do the death match for free. They're paying me to like look after myself afterwards and all like the, <laughs> exactly. all the stuff that comes afterwards. I, uh, that, that's what we tell everybody is like, you could probably do a death match. Sure. But I guarantee you, you can't handle 
that drive home after yeah. that crash from the adrenaline where all of a sudden like you can feel every cut on your body you yeah. can feel every inch that's hurt every inch that's scraped everything that's messed up mm-hmm. like you can't deal with that that come down of like because it's you know being being a, a recovered drug drug addict now for almost 10 years wow. like it you know it's unlike any drug you'll ever do it's it's this supreme high especially when the crowd is losing their minds and you know you're just living in the moment that that's gone that that adrenaline has has now subsided yeah. now you feel everything yeah well and then you got to get in that shower and that shower is murder I've I've sat with very tough men who, you know, are just mutilated so bad that they're like, hey, I need your help. And I'm like, I got you. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, because I, I know that I've needed that same thing. And they're sitting there biting a the towel, fighting back tears because it hurts. Yeah. It, you know, but you're like, I got to do it. I got to get, I got to clean myself up. I got to try to patch myself together just to be semi mobile so I can go back to my day job. Yeah. On Monday, so I can you know, so I can get onto the plane, so I can get through the plane ride. Oh, that's the worst part. Uh, had uh, one kid, Damon Spriggle. I don't, I don't know if you've seen him on shows or anything. I have. But, I've, uh, seen, I've he, seen him on Time Bomb and stuff. Yeah. Yep. And uh, on uh, Planet Death as well, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the kid has such a bright future. Yeah. Um, because he's so good. He's a big big Japanese wrestling fan and very good wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and takes you know appreciates death matches. I can see that. He's got like a lot of fire. Like where Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that, it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And his first one was with me right before I went to Japan. Yeah. And uh and I was like, look man, it's gonna suck on this drive home. So so we're going we're going home. It's it's like two hundred light dudes, just chaos, just absolute pandemonium. Um because I was like, look, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. Like there's no like oh, you know, I'll use one light tube. I'm like, nope. And he's like, okay, let's do it. The drive home, you can tell he starts to go into shock, and like all of a sudden, like, oh, I have lost a lot of blood. I've never lost this blood before. Yeah. Like, oh shit, I didn't, I didn't eat very well. I didn't replace the sugar that I needed to like start the blood to come back. Yeah. And the poor kid, you know, ends up throwing up, puking all over himself in the middle of winter oh. in the ditch. Oh, Jeez. I feel awful. But I was like, he's never gonna do another one again. It's like. But now I'm prepared for it. Yeah. And and he, he knows it's gonna suck afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But that's what nobody's ready for is that is that after, you know? Yeah. It's 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 the worst. It it would cripple a normal human for weeks. Yeah. You know, we're we're back to our normal lives the next day. Yeah. Yeah. At this stage it's just okay, this is what I do yep. and <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah, like like did I cut any arteries that I you know, okay, good enough. Yeah. Still moving. (laughs) Jeez. It's wild. I had a a guy, uh, I I manage a guitar store, and our luthier actually cut his finger quite bad yesterday. He was putting together the neck of a guitar that was broken, and it, you know, stabbed in the thing. And he's like, is it bad kind of thing? And... Everyone's like, oh, I don't want to see it. And I'm like, well, I watch this stuff all the time now. So at this stage, I'm probably yeah. pretty pretty thick. I also grew up with yeah, a dad that was a butcher who was always stabbing himself like crazy. So I'm like, yeah, oh, let's, yeah. Have, let's have a look. I don't like it when I'm bleeding. I, nobody yeah. makes me bleed my own blood. I hate that. But I'm like, okay, <laughs> then let's let's go. And he shows it. It, it was quite 
quite deep. He's like, what do I do? Do I go to the bedroom? I'm like, you've got super glue. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I know quite a few guys that would tell you to just glue it up right now. It's fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and that, that's what everyone did. They're like, oh, I got to go get stitches. I got to go to the hospital. I'm like, I can assure you, you don't. Just let the bleeding stop, glue it together, whatever you need to do. You'll be fine. They're yeah. like, what? It's like, yeah, you'll, you'll be okay. I've gotten stitches one time. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be all right. And I've been through some yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got a scar that looks like I have my kidney stabbed out of me. Like, and that just, that healed itself. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. So, so yeah, Japan then. Um, I guess Japan's a two-part question for you because there's obviously your deathmatch trips to Japan, but then there's also the the New Japan story because you trained in their dojo, yeah? So which came yep. first? Uh, the, the new, the new Japan dojo definitely came first before uh, any was, of your deathmatch stuff or I, I had just started doing death. So you just had a taste of death matches when this yep. opportunity. And, okay. and oh man, I was living for it. Yeah. But I was, I had, I had already signed up to do, uh, to do this, this new Japan camp and like to, to be, they were starting their American dojo and I was like, yes, uh-huh. like, like, uh, wrestle kingdom, the one where, uh, AJ Styles wrestled Nakamura. I was like, ooh. The first one I ever I watched, that got me into New yep. Japan. Yeah. So that yep. match and particularly I- was what I, I remember watching the the teaser video for it. You know, Nakamura's on the couch with the belt. I have no idea what he's saying, but I'm like, this is the coolest yeah, motherfucker no, of all time. And then I, yeah, I watched that Wrestle Kingdom and then New Japan fan forever. Like, since, yeah, same? That same. was me. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. And and I was I was like, ooh, this is what I want to do. So I see they announced, you know, the American Dojo. Yeah. I was like, ooh, okay. I I send in all my stuff. I get it in super early because they're only accepting so many people. Yeah. Yes, you're in. You're good. Okay. So I I go I go do that do that week uh, under Shibata and under under Rocky and wow. uh and, and Kushida at the at the very end. Awesome. Um, end up having an awful injury halfway through. Oh. Uh. This terrible pinched nerve. Um, I I take no pain meds. I do nothing. Like I like when I sobered up, I was like, nope, nothing. You broken foot. Like after these death matches, I just deal with it all sober. Mm-hmm. My arm had locked up so bad that they had to give me three different shots of like, you know, a steroid or some type of injection just to loosen it up. Yeah. A couple days later, mm-hmm. so I had to sit and watch and learn. In a chair while everybody else got to go out and do stuff. One it's dude torture. broke a rib halfway through. Oh, wow. So he got to hang out with me. Yeah. But then the last day, I finally got to get back and, and do other stuff. But I learned so much. I was like, they were like, we see enough potential in you. We'd like you to come back again for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they left it open for me. Yeah, wow. And they were like, and at any time, you know, when as we start announcing more, more things, uh, just let us know. Uh, and we'll we'll have you back for free. It's amazing. And I was like, oh, great. So I'm like, apparently I showed them something. Yeah. And I just never went back. Yeah. Right. Because I started doing death matches, and I was like, nope, this is it. Yeah. I'm going to get to Japan another way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. That's awesome. So it's now that you've you've I guess learned, and the more your deathmatch career progresses, that's just not a path that interests you anymore. Hey, like you're like I'm. No, just, you're just about it. it. And a lot of it too was like, you know, I did a lot of the, the evolved tryouts, which led to a lot of guys getting signed to WWE, uh-huh. you know, and I, I, I did a handful of those and I kind of learned more and more that I was like, 
I don't think I want to be a part of a system. I yeah. don't think I want to, you know, I don't want to have to go through that. You know, not not that there's any dishonor in going through that, but I was like, I don't think that's I I like being able to do death matches with my friends yeah. and get to experience these trips, whether it's to the shittiest shithole in West Virginia mm-hmm. where you have no cell service and you, you're lucky because the bowling alley next door has some pizza. <laughs> uh, to, to doing these shows in the basement of a skate shop in Fargo, North Dakota, which is also the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then you're doing it in Atlantic City in front of thousands of people. Like, you don't get to experience death matches and do that stuff when you're signed to a national contract, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. I was like, I love wrestling, but I can do that too. I, I also get to experience this with my friends, and this is pretty pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. It's the, the lifestyle and that, like, road yeah. warrior life that, that gets you as well, right? Oh, yeah, and I do it all for free. That's that. That's the worst part is, I like, if they didn't pay me, I wouldn't care. Yeah. I'd be like, this is awesome, you know? <laughs> But thankfully, they do. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They're, they're paying you to, yeah. to clean yourself up and to, yeah. to get around and be injured. Like, all the matches yeah, are free. They, <laughs> yeah, they, they pay for aftercare. I, I, I told Ian this last weekend. I was like, listen, boss. I'm like, because he's like, you know, I, I, I hope I took good enough care. He took great care of me. And I was like, look, that envelope could be empty and I'd be happy. You know? I'm like, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy that, like. I, I get to have the notoriety that I have and I get to have the career that I have. It's like, you yeah. could be handing me an empty envelope. I'm glad it's not. Yeah. Please don't. But <laughs> yeah, you yeah. could. And, but you just know, know I, this. I'd still be thrilled. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Being grateful, you know, every day goes a long way. I think, uh, you yeah. know, when, when you can look at your life and especially, I guess, the journey you've had when you essentially at 15 had nothing, like not yep. even a family or whatever and, it, you know... I, going into a young child and starting from scratch and building yourself into who you are now, it, it's pretty amazing that you can, you know, turn around and look at everything and go, look at everything I have and the opportunities I've been given and feel that happiness every day, which is pretty oh, awesome. Oh, it, that, that's what, that's what brought me to tears, uh, at, you know, at the end of King, yeah. which won't, won't be shown when, when you buy it, but you know, there, there's that moment where, you know, everything kind of sets in and, oh, I just start. I, I'm fighting it back and I'm fighting it back and they just start pouring. The, the tears start rolling out because I realize what I've done. Yeah. I realize where goal. I've gotten, yeah. you know, in a career that I had no right to have. Yeah. You know, I, I getting into it, I was like, I'll never be something in wrestling. I might be a commentator, you know, but I, I guess I'll train. I guess I'll learn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've gotten all these great friends, you know, that I can consider my family that have helped me in, in times when they had no, you know, no reason to that have gone out of their way to save me. And I've had friends that I've met that travel seven hours just to come watch me wrestle and debut at GCW and don't even tell me they're going to do it. All of a sudden, bam, surprise. There's this guy you met in wrestling who's like, I want to be here to see this. And, you know, I, I now have a family that I never had before. Yeah. You know, and and traveling traveling with with Damon Spriggle and and Ricky Norton and uh, and now bad this this Badger Briggs girl that came with mm-hmm. because she's like I just wanna I wanna do my part. Mm-hmm. It was really emotional for me to to sit back in in the room that night and as I'm as I'm leaving after the fans you know cheer and do their stuff and Ian announces the next King of the Death match. Um, I I embrace them and and we're all crying and because it's the it's those moments that that's why you do this. Like yeah. wrestling's pretty cool, but you you can't put a value on that. You you can't put a value on the fact that like you get to tell people that you love them, 
and you know you hear it back and you mean it. You know that like these friends you're making in wrestling genuinely love you and genuinely care. You know, they they got to go and and do you know a, a big multi-man match on Sunday and they were busting their asses and working. They could have just been pissed, but they were crying for me because they knew what I had gone through to get there. And we had shared so many long car rides and learning so much about each other. And really, you know, the the life, love, stress, and setbacks of everything. And, you know, you really see that. And when they succeed, you succeed. When they fail, you fail. And it's, oh, it's the best thing in the world. That's amazing, dude. I'm I'm really happy for you to see you like living this and I can see it in your face, you know, like it's it's something that you, you really believe in. And, and as you continue and like, you're not even at the finish line yet, you know what I mean? Some say you're only just getting started. Like, so. Which is crazy. I know, right. You've done so much and you, you know, you've been across the world and things like that, but it's like the world's kind of been on pause for a minute. And so what's going to happen when all this COVID shit is done and you can actually things open up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I miss Japan more than anything. And like, like I said, five years in a row, every January, the last couple of years, month long trips, we would just go, we planted ourselves and just go, okay, let's start in Tokyo. And like around the bottom of the Island, like all the way up, just seeing everything we could planning it all ourselves. Cannot wait till we go back. What was it like for you going there for the first time? Was your wrestling trip, like when you got to go there, was that the first time you ever went to Japan? Yes. Yeah, yes. wow. So you got to go, and wrestling took you there. Amazing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like to, to be able to say I get to travel the world on somebody else's dime is yeah. pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And and like it, it makes me appreciate these things even more, you yeah. know? So so we're going there, and thankfully, you know, in those those two weeks that we're there, we've got time between. Yeah. So, we you know, we get to see the different, you know, parts of tokyo we get to go see the booty scramble you know yeah that was so cool it's amazing and because we we stop at howling mask and they're like hey do you want to see the thing that is in every stereotypical japanese like tokyo scene and we're like yeah we go and it's absolutely unreal just to see live and i spent an entire day by myself in akihabara because Everybody else was like, "Look, we're I was like, I got, I got to ask you about Akihabara if you got to get there because oh, yeah. I knew that'd oh, be yeah. like I, a grail for you." Entire yeah, day, yeah, man. Entire day by myself. Amazing. And I was like, I was so tempted to then go to like a Don Quixote and buy a giant suitcase just to buy more shit yeah. and send back to myself. <laughs> just ship it. Back. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And because oh my god, I was like a kid in a candy store. And in the states, you don't see that stuff. Like, yeah, you you get lucky if you go into a hot topic and they might have some anime stuff. Mm. You know. But you're not finding an anime store anywhere. You yeah. you might get lucky to go to a comics comic store that has some some collectibles, you know. And there, it's like, oh my god, I I show them a picture like, hey, do you have this? And they're like, yeah, floor three, this aisle. I'm like, what? There's a third floor, and then it's every. <laughs> they're like, oh no, there's eight floors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then and then every store you go into, they're like, oh yeah, like the floor two, that's all Gundam. Yeah. Floor three is this. Floor four, you're like, what in the world? Yeah. yeah. And oh, I was I was on cloud nine. It yeah. Was the coolest shit ever. That's and so cool. the the transportation system is so fucking easy it's to use. Amazing. That yeah. It, you know, like when we were in Mexico and stuff, I was like, I'm not gonna be alone. I'll never find my way back. Yeah. yeah. But there, I'm like, oh, I can go out. I could go across this entire country and feel safe getting back. Yeah. Like. 
like if you've got internet on your phone, you just put it into Google. Anybody that goes to Japan, pro tip, make sure you've got your Wi-Fi, you get your Wi-Fi SIM or whatever, pick it up at the office or you can even get it before you go to Japan. Then you just go into Google's like you would at home. Uh, You put in your train and you go, I want to go to Tokyo Dome or whatever. And it's like red train to blue train to walk up this bit. And it's so, yeah, yeah, it's so easy. And I'm like, oh, okay, that that way it's it's you don't need to speak Japanese. It's the best transportation system in the world. And those areas like like Akihabara is, for anybody that doesn't know, is like a big, you know, anime kind of area. But they do everything, you know. It's like models and it's dolls and it's action figures and it's manga and it's anime. Like we, this one particular store we were obsessed with because they had movie posters, like old movie posters, but they're all in Japanese, right? So it's like Terminator, a variant poster, but it's all kanji and stuff. You know, it's Godzilla, it's Predator, but it looked like they're not the same covers that you know. They're like cool Japanese variants. And I'm like, Way cooler. how hard is it to get home 20 posters? Like, like, we just had to leave it all. It's like, if I can't have one, I can't have any of them kind of thing. Yep. We'll maybe buy some yep. off the internet. And they're like neon variants and stuff. And we're like, this is, uh, where would we even hang it? Like, you know what I mean? But there's so much I cool care. shit. I, I still, I need it. <laughs> we ended yep. up bringing a few tubes home, actually, of wrestling posters. Because uh, at various times, people will give us wrestling posters. Because what we'll do yep. is we're just on holiday. We don't really care. Um, on the, I think the second trip, we kind of got pretty drunk. And we were going to go to Yano's bar. And we went past the original New Japan store. And then when we yep. were in there, we're like, oh, there's all the stuff in that. And then they had like the team track suits, right? And we're like, yeah. do we buy track suits? They're like $500 Australian. And we're like, well, we are drunk. And so next minute, we're all in <laughs> matching track suits. And then that's just how we get around Japan now, right? So the last couple of oh, years yeah, when we go, have to. we're just in the track suits. But then Japanese people will think you're maybe New Japan people. They'll come up, they're like, right. are you a player? Like, that's what they call wrestlers, player. And I'm like, no, 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 just fan. And they're like, oh, I've got for you. And they'll run off and they'll bring you things, like like restaurant Good owners fan. and stuff. I'm walking down the street and a guy comes running out of his restaurant and he's like, ho, ho, ho. And he's like, New Japan fan? And I'm like, yeah. And he just hands me like three posters that he'd saved from when Wrestle Kingdom had put them up in his yes. shop window. He's just like, for you. And I'm like, thank you, stranger on the street. <laughs> like, they are the amazing best. Like, yeah, yeah. And everywhere we went, like, thankfully, you know, our, our faces were enough places and, you know, enough people knew us that, mm-hmm. you know, they, they'd see in the bit, okay, we know. And then they'd give us something yeah. free from their store or, you know, like, hey, this is for you. You know, you go to Haming Mask and they're like, please take a picture, please, you know, so we can put it up on the wall and here's all this free clothes. And then you, you go other places and, you know, they're like, hey, we saw all of your stuff on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Here's all of this free stuff, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, what? And it's specifically tailored to you, you know, because I, I, I think otters are the cutest creatures in the world. Yeah. And so I'd be always sharing otter videos or, you know, talking about it. I had, I had a fan bring me, you know, all this like otter, like otter socks, otter underwear, otter uh, notebooks, otter stickers, otter everything. And then. You get little stuffed otters and then all this other stuff. And then you end up with this giant otter. Oh, my God. He's huge. He's as big as you. <laughs> yes. And I, I, have to, I have to strap him onto my backpack and I have to bring him back to the States because he doesn't fit in any of my luggage. He's too big. That's... And uh, 
And I'm like, oh my god, like I know this isn't cheap. That is, <laughs> like, you buy this anyway. But they're a know? fan and they appreciate you and they want to share that moment with you and stuff. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the difference. Some American fans are fucking awesome, but most of you know, most of them are like, oh hey, so. You're kind of good at this wrestling stuff, huh? And you're like, yeah, man, I, I like to think so. And it's just a lot of bullshit conversations yeah. where you know they're they're clearly tone deaf to what's going on. Some some fans are awesome, have great conversations ab- yeah. about you because they know you're the call you on the internet or whatever. Yeah. But a lot of it is they don't even buy your merch if you have it because they just want to sit and bullshit with you about, oh hey, that was a cool match. So did it hurt when you did that? It's like, yeah, it, obviously it does. Like I, you know, I. If I if I'm at this merch table, I would like to make some money. Yeah. You know, I I always appreciate interacting with a fan, but it gets to the point where like, hey, like we we got to keep the slime moving. In Japan, they show up, they pay, they thank you immensely, mm-hmm. ask for a picture, and then they move on, mm-hmm. and then they'll interact with you online. Yeah, you know, they're like, hey, like they're they're there to make money off of merchandise. Yeah, you know, and that's why I don't that's why I don't ever bring merch to shows because I'm like, look. If you're a fan and you're a fan of mine, I will inter- if you DM me, I will interact with you. I will send you a message back, you know? I've got I've got the time, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But I hate standing at a merch table and having the same bullshit conversation. In Japan, they're like grateful. They're thankful. They yeah. just they gen you can feel the appreciation. You're like, whoa, I feel like I have actually done something. That's that's how they are with everything as well. Like whether, yes. you, whether you're going into a 7-Eleven and you're buying like a coffee from the dude behind the thing or yep. or you're speaking to one of the wrestlers. Like I have met uh, a few of them now, but like Yano many times, we've gone to his restaurant every edits and he'll do these nights where it's like you pay a, a, a head thing and it's like all you can drink and all you can eat while they're there. There's like a stew on and stuff. And he just sits and talks yep. to people, right? And his English yes. isn't great. But I had a conversation with him this one night where I just Google Translate on my phone. I would kind of put it into thing and I'd slide it to him and ask him questions and stuff. And and he would just answer it and he would be like, oh, oh yeah. like a son, very nice, like blah, 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 and kind of answer these right. things. And then he was pulling posters off his wall to give to me to take home. He's like, oh, this one has Liger on it. Here you go. And like just tears it off his wall and gives it to me and stuff. We've got like all these photos with him. Because they just are, are genuinely are like amazing, appreciative people, you know, like in everything yes. they do. It's it's really an amazing culture. We we did a night at Yano's bar. Oh, how, uh, good, where, how great where, is it? <laughs> oh, dude, it was so cool. Because yeah. like you, you go and like, they kind of did like wrote it was like speed dating essentially. Yeah. You know, the, the wrestlers would go to different tables where the fans were uh-huh. and the fans would ask you questions. Nobody asked the same question. Yeah. Every Google translate that you got was something different and it was so cool. Yeah. There was this kid that loved anime uh-huh. and so he'd always bring it up and he'd, he'd be like, Oh, what about this? And I, we'd start talking about that. Yeah. And it was, Oh my God, it was amazing. Like you do that in America and you're like, Oh no. Please tell me there's going to be like one or two like bearable people, you know. And there, it's like, oh my god, I could do this all night, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm getting paid to do this. Yeah, and the, and the Japanese fans as well also have no problem like being a fan and being proud of being a fan. I feel like in Western yes. culture, sometimes we all want to feel like we're in the know or we're too cool to like oh. be a fan or blah blah. It's the same when you go to concerts, you go to everything, someone's got to, you know, call out some smart money. Oh, the yeah, know-it-all, yeah, yeah. You know-it-all kind of thing. In Japan, people are quite happy to play their part. 
to cheer, yes. to boo. We went to a concert and it, it was like amazing because all the fans, like you go to a concert in Australia and dudes stand at the back like with their beer. I'm one of them because I'm old and don't want to get beat up. But like, hey, uh, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, but they're like, you know, like, oh, yeah, fuck this. And like, you know, and dumb shit. And it's yep. all tall poppy syndrome and everybody's got to tear everybody down. In Japan, it's like, They've got all the synchronized movements and they've got glow sticks and stuff and yes. they're like going crazy and they all know the parts. And these are like metal bands and stuff we're seeing and they're going wild. Like they they separate the crowd. We went to this huge concert and they separate the crowd instead of having everybody together into like six pens. So barricades and then you would be assigned to your pen so there's not too many people and they won't get hurt and stuff. But when hey, you see fair. six like whirlpool mosh pits at the same time and then they'll stop <laughs> doing stuff and things like that. They all know the moves. It's amazing, man. Like, it's just, I can't wait to go back. COVID needs to be over because yes. I'm fucking done with it. Yes. Yeah, I am yes. done with it. So, Shinkeeper first string, uh, you have been, yes? Yes. Yes, yes. Amazing venue, right? Uh, that oh, entire that entire thing feels like I don't know, like a cookout kind of thing. Everyone's got their merch Doesn't outside. Everybody's just yes, outside. Yeah, yeah, it's it's killer. Um, what was that like going to a venue a venue like that because it's so intimate um, and so special for deathmatch wrestling. So the craziest thing was night one. I'm in the main event against Takeda. Yes, and I'm like. I'm the lesser of all of the names here, and I get this match? Yeah. Like, what in the world? And so I'm like, whoa, this is like reality was setting in. Uh, do, you, do you know how that came about? Did Decatur request it, or was it like uh, Brett's idea? Or I, I, I have no clue. Yeah, yeah. No clue, but I'm, I was just happy to be there. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and when I, when I knew Japan was coming up, yeah, I decided to like really start hitting the gym, start doing all this stuff. Um, so I was like, so that way I'm ready. I don't just go over there as a dude that's like, you know, taking everything for granted. Yeah. So I go over there in, you know, good shape and I, I feel ready for it. The match, of course, has the, the unfortunate accident of the, the bump with Takeda and the, the knife board that, that goes awry. And, and so that, that's my first, my first experience in yeah. Japan. My, what a, what a bittersweet and, moment for you, you know, but I mean, it's the story it's, it's though, surreal. right? Like, mm. Yeah, it, it's surreal to walk out and have those fans in, in that very intimate venue where yeah. you can see everybody. Absolutely. You, know, you, you can you can see to the top row, and they're all chanting your name. Mm -hmm. They know who you are. Yeah. And you're like, this is real life right now? Yeah. Like, this is this is actually happening? Mm -hmm. And and then to be in that venue, it, it was super cool. Mm -hmm. Just, it, it felt surreal. I was like, I, I feel like I'm in a movie. Yeah. You know, I did not expect to go to a different country and have that many people and that many people being all of them chant my name and know who I was. Yeah. In a foreign country that sees the best wrestling in the world. Yeah. They knew who the fuck I was. Yeah, it's like, This is unreal. Yeah. That's, that's... And of course, it, 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 and then it goes the way it does. And then every fan yeah. afterwards checks on me like, are you okay? Yeah. Like, uh, like they know, that, they know you... you're not out here like trying to kill Takeda. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's deathmatch wrestling. The Japanese like, police didn't know that. But. Oh, no. <laughs> Did they arrive? Yes. Oh, no. And I, I had I had to be questioned by the Japanese police. Oh, man. Uh, That's scary. For attempted murder. Oh, are you serious? Yep. Did they, yep. at the venue, or did they take you somewhere? At the venue. At the venue. They had sat there with the knife board in front of me and were pointing at it and 
So Sasaki comes and gets me. He's like, oh, I, I come with me. He's like, oh, yeah, sure. What's up? I go, and there it is. The murder like, weapon. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> the weapon. And there's the police. Oh, my God. Fucking notepads. Japanese police don't play. They'll fucking, like, as a foreigner, you will be locked up for, like, a month. Game over. Like, before you're even questioned. Like, it's not like, oh, it's a drunk tank thing and you're doing 20 days, whatever it is, and then we'll talk about it. Like, And and thankfully, we had Kikutaro there, who was basically our translator. Yes. And Kikutaro, who's known for being, you know, a, a dickhead. Yeah, very funny. Was like very serious. And yeah. Like, oh, okay. And and I was like, what's going on? And uh, maybe maybe no no worry. Uh, maybe murder. <laughs> and, and I was like, what? What do you mean? Don't worry. Don't worry. Murder. What are you talking? <laughs> and. We go through this whole question. Oh my I god! Explain, I have to explain who built the knife board. That Takedo okayed it three separate times. Uh-huh. That you know, I I made sure I was like, hey, this doesn't seem safe. Maybe we don't. But you know, Takeda, there's no off switch. He's like, oh, it's good enough. Let's do it. Yeah. And I had to explain I was going to take the knife board later on in the match. You know, yeah. the bump I did was super safe. I've I've used this you know this implement many times, uh-huh. and. Oh my god, it was the most stressful shit Dude, ever. Dude, that's so scary. They, they took all my information, they took my passport number, they took all of that down, everything. I was like, oh, I'm doomed. And and then and then it became the joke of they're like, oh, maybe monkey house. And I was like, no, I don't want to go there. <laughs> and and then, and then of course Danny Havoc told stories of like when they were over before, they're like, Oh, monkey house, no good. I was like, Yeah, I don't want to go to the monkey house. I do not want to go to jail. Is that, is that the prison? The monkey house? Is yeah, that what they call yeah, it? Okay. They call it. Uh, yeah, that's what Jesus. they call it to, to foreigners. It's like, oh, monkey house. I'm like, no, no. That's no, terrifying. Please. I come over there with no criminal record. I've got, you know, I've lived a good, lawful life. Yeah. And I was like, watch, this is where it all goes downhill. Yeah, you know, like, I never should have taken up death mattress. Like, now I spend the rest of my yeah. life in Japanese prison. <laughs> On the bright side, you'd still be in Japan, which is probably yeah, still I mean, an upgrade. <laughs> look, look, Japanese prison is probably infinitely better than American prison. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know. You know, if you've got to go down for murder somewhere, I mean, there's probably worse yeah, places to go. That's the place to go. Yeah. Better than fucking Mexico But you'd City, also I'm have saying. to think that anybody that's actually done anything bad enough to get into Japanese prison is probably a real one. And like, like it oh, may yeah. actually be terrifying. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. you're it's like, like, oh shit! I, oh great, I I'm in here with up. the yakuza. Okay, great. oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah cool. and, I, and I know that if I just don't open my mouth, I might be okay. But then they're, they're probably going to take it wrong anyway. So no matter what, it's game over. Oh Jesus you know? Christ, terrifying. <laughs> um, so what was that like afterwards? I know Takeda like came out was like, this is nobody's fault. Like obviously, and that kind of thing. Like hey, oh, yeah. you guys, um. Spoke he's cool and surely a rematch one day because that isn't finished. No, I, I sure hope so. And like, and I've gotten into immensely better shape. I'm an infinitely better wrestler. Absolutely. You know, I, yeah. I was like, just redemption, please, because I know the match that we had planned. Yeah. And how much we actually got to do. Yeah. And I was like, man, if I could have had that full match in the main event of my first night in Japan. Yeah. Star. Yeah. Star. Yeah. But. It goes the way it goes. Probably, you know, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. You know, I have you know, three more very, very good matches, 
with amazing opponents. I got to be in the ring with Ito. I got to take the frog splash, which is the craziest thing in the world. Yeah. Like, that, that, that for me, I was like, look, if I can take that, check, done, good enough. Yeah. You know? Like, I've, I've done something in my career. <laughs> exactly right. Well, what a big weekend, right? Uh, the injury to, like, uh, Takeda gets injured and then you receive the frog splash from Ito. So yeah, from Ito. And then and then a couple of days later, you're wrestling in Currican Hall in front of a, a ton of people. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, when it's so crazy to me to be this dude from Minnesota who, you know, Shouldn't have been anything. And I get to say, I wrestled in Kirk and Hall. Yeah. There's you know, people who, that like, that's still bucket list for many wrestlers. Like, they want to do it. People that have done way cooler shit than me. You know, yeah. people that have been way, but they're still like, look, I've never wrestled in Kirk and Hall. I don't have a Ribera jacket. I'm like, I do. <laughs> you know? I, I get I get to be like, I do have that Ribera jacket. That's amazing. Yeah, like, I, I get to have these things that people dream of. Yeah. You know, like, what a crazy fucking life. Yeah. And you, and here you are not taking it for granted and obviously, like, being grateful and looking forward to it every single day, which is pretty awesome. But here's the oh, real yeah. question. Which is the better stake, Mr. Danger or Ribera? Look, so here's the unfortunate part. Is as a vegetarian... Oh, I did not know I, this. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh-huh. I, I'm, a, I'm a vegetarian. But every time we're at the steakhouse, they're like, you're going to do it, right? I'm like, no. But... I have it on good authority from people that I trust that Mr. Dangerous Steak is better. I back that. Uh, they, yep, yep. Everybody says Mr. Dangerous Steak is the steak to have. They mm-hmm. said Ribera Steak is, is good, but nothing beats a Dangerous Steak. Yeah, yeah. And you get to hang out with Mr. Dangerous. How cool is It's like Mutt super small and awesome. Yeah, it's the best little venue. Like It's, it's like just He's this kind man. of little hole in the wall. He's so awesome. You're like, this is really like unassuming, and then you go in, and you're like, there's Matsunaga cooking my steak. What is yeah. what is life? Exactly, just like his family helping him, I guess. Like, <laughs> just yeah. like a small yeah. little team. He just, just comes out and he's like, oh hey guys, you know. And like, it's hey, busy, like it's pumping too. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that's what yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely awesome. Well, as you, sorry, as that finishes up and you you come back to the States and, and everything like that, uh, we start getting into stuff like uh, ICW No Holds Barred and No Peace and, and the Time Bomb stuff and things like that. How have all those sort of endeavours been for you? Because the, the platforms for deathmatch wrestling, especially in the pandemic-type era, there's just been more and more and more, and so many of them are firing on IWTV and things like that. It must feel like you're... You're a bit spoilt for choice a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, the tough part for me, because um, I, I love when I get to go to these places. I love being at No Peace. I always feel like I have, you know, one of the best matches of, of the night every time I'm there. You know, every time I'm at No Holds Barred. Murdoch and I had, you know, I don't know if you if you remember the, the Nick Gage match Remont rivalry early GCW days. Um, just one of the best rivalries in history. I know it in uh, that I've seen matches from it, but I wasn't watching when it happened. And it's different right. when you're not living it, you know? Yeah. So so they, they have this this giant rivalry. It's amazing. John and I, uh, when I when I come off the life-threatening injury, John and I have our, our first match at ICW Milwaukee, subsequently No Holds Barred, and then the Iron Man match. I, I will go to my grave saying that is one of the best 
trilogies of matches you will ever see in the in the terms of death matches. Uh, we made people feel stuff. We we genuinely made wrestling history in that Iron Man match at, at, at no holds barred. Um, and and that's hard to do anymore. You know. Yeah. It's really hard to like be able to say I made history because some shit has been done. Yeah. It's all been done. It's uh, all. I was surprised nobody had done it before. You know what I mean? Right. Like like when I heard it, I'm like, that's such a great concept. How's this not been thought of before? Because it's absolutely asinine bonkers to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I genuinely don't think anybody else could have done it except John and I in that rivalry. Yeah. Because about, about the 50-minute mark, John was like, dude, I wanted to quit. I was about ready to say, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. It was like, but I knew I couldn't. Uh, so we have this amazing rivalry, and I it's hard for me. Because I firmly believe that I should be in there every show. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I should be a staple on that roster. And I've talked to many people that also believe that. They're like, at the end of that Iron Man, you know, if John is ace one, you're ace one A. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And you go on separate trajectories and you meet back around eventually. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I I you know, it's every time I'm there it's Making his return. It's like, I don't want to have to constantly make a return. It's the same with Game Changer. I have this tour of Japan, and I've always been like, hey, if you do right by me, I'm doing right by you. You know, I'm, I'm not hard to work with. I, I don't bitch about money. I, you know, if there's a conversation to be had, I have the conversation professionally. Um, I show up on time. I do my job. I believe very well. But it's always an afterthought. I'm always, you know, oh, that's right. Oren does exist. I guess we could book him. Or I have to reach out and they're like, oh, I guess we have something for you. Indianapolis weekend is is a perfect example. Um, Indianapolis weekend, uh, a few weekends ago, comes and I, I'm like, hey, man, you know, like I'm, I'm available. Like that, that weekend would actually work out great. Nah, man, there's nothing for you. We don't, we don't have any room for you. And I'm like, what? You know, it, it's kind of it's kind of tough for me to sit and, and hear that, and then no piece is like, "Hey, we'll bring you in. You'll just be exclusive to us." And then all of a sudden, enough people cancel. It's like, "Oh yeah, I guess Oren's yeah, Oren's available. We could we could use him." And so I go on, and Eric Ryan and, and I tell this amazing story with no light tube, just some some shards of glass and some forks, and we have a match that people genuinely bit on. You know, people were losing their minds at false finishes. And I was like, because we know what we're doing. So I I get bitter about that, bitter being the rough term, is I, I'm waiting for the day to cement it enough where it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. He is the top guy. He is a, he is a top five guy that should be on every show. Yeah. My peers believe it, mm-hmm. but the powers that be don't. Probably because I don't play politics, because I don't do the, you know, I'm not I'm not a kiss-ass guy. Mm-hmm. So I, I deal with that a lot of, like, I don't know, is it is it all for naught? Like, am I, like, a- am I just a guy? Or am I, uh, you know, one of the best in the world? What is it? Mm-hmm. So I, I deal with that internal struggle a lot. Yeah. It, is it to do with your location or something? Like, are you no. not around or? 
No, because I, I moved to Colorado when I got married, and it's in, it's so cheap to fly out of Colorado right. anywhere in the states. Okay, it's very very cheap, mm-hmm. uh, and it's very convenient. Mm-hmm. And and most of the time, because I, I love baseball, I'm like, look, I'll fly in earlier if it's cheaper, and I'll go to go to some games or I'll you know mess around. Or uh-huh. I bet I have a friend that lives in the area, mm-hmm. and I've I've tried everything, and it's just one of those things where you know like the other the other people that you know, have say or like, hey, why is he not here? And then the, the actual end result is like, well, we'll just use these other guys. I'm like, okay, well, when you need me, let me know. Right, right. I'll be here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just keep grinding out, man. Eventually, you know, like your body of work speaks for itself and you become undeniable. You know what I mean? And See, that's, that's, that's literally, that's it. Mm-hmm. And like, that that's what I've told myself is like, okay, if I'm going to continue to be denied, I have to become undeniable. Like, yeah. so I, I took my, when I moved out here, I took my body more seriously. I was like, okay, I'm going to get yeah. in one of the very, shape. very like physically fit deathmatch guys. You know what I mean? Like it's, it stands because out. It's a sexual part again. Yeah. I have to, yeah. you know, I was like, maybe, maybe this is another part I need to add. You know, I, I started helping teach the, the kids here. So then I'm in the ring all the time and I'm working on all that stuff that, you know, I kind of take them for granted. So I'm I'm refining every aspect of my game. I'm, I'm doing all these things. And I was like, eventually, there's going to come a time where people start to realize, oh, shit, maybe we should have been using them this whole time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I'm not going to be upset about it. Like, once I'm there, I'm there. Because I get to see my friends. I get to see my family. I get the, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just happy when I'm there and I know I'm going to go out do my best and well, that's it. and you it you want to work there else. that's the thing it's not it's not about uh you know sour grape trees it's like no i'm hungry like let me yes. in like yeah i i want it kind of thing i could tell you were a yeah. little bit uh bit hot after that eric ryan one i i gifted the moment when you spoke into the camera where you basically said i'm not oh, a yeah. feeling <laughs> yeah, i, I'm I, a, I was I'm like i gotta catch that i actually went back i'm i sort of missed it as it happened and i went back and catched it once I, once it went live because i was like that was a moment for sure yeah and because i was so fired up about it and then uh i have a good friend who's a photographer mm-hmm. and and she goes she's like oh you're just trying to burn every bridge possible aren't you and I was like, no, I'm like, I believe it. And, you know, you, to have struggles and Ron come up to me and they're like, no, you're right. They're like, you should say that. Like, yeah. you should speak your mind because you're still here doing the work. Yeah. And like, and, and maybe that's what it takes for people to know, yeah. you know? And I, I have this big weekend coming up for ICW No Holds Barred yeah. and I'm, I'm ready to just knock it out of the park again. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, eventually it'll pan out. And, well, I yeah. think that also uh, fits with, Oren Veidt's journey in ICW No Holds Barred as well, because when you think about the rivalry with John and how it all worked out and stuff like that, and then, you know, midway through the Iron Man match, you're saying the struggles and, you know, you're like, oh, is yeah. your this is your guy kind of thing. Like, that's the whole thing. The Like, Oren Veidt is pissed off. He thinks he's one of the best in the world and is tired of not being recognized for it. And that's just who you are in real life. And people see that and yeah. it comes across like integrous because it's how you really feel. <laughs> like, you know, it's, yeah. It's awesome. And, and, and I, I always hate it because I'm like, I swear to God, I'm not trying to be arrogant, but yeah. like, I, I know what I've done, you know, yeah. and I, I know what I do out there. And, and I, I know from my, my direct peers who are the best in the world mm-hmm. that they put me in that same class. I was like, I know I'm there. Yeah. So somebody's got to fucking realize yeah. it at some point. Here. That's not arrogance, yeah. though. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance. And there needs to be, to be a professional wrestler, you have to be confident. 
Because how could yeah. you go out and project yourself the way you do? How could you develop a a persona and you know and do these things and put yourself in danger and all that if you didn't weren't confident in what you were doing? Otherwise, you'd be insane. Like it, you'd get injured. It, like yes. it wouldn't work. Like you have to. Like so, exactly. it makes sense. And I don't think anybody would say that you come across as an arrogant. Uh, worker or anything like that because you're just you're backing yourself in and uh, personally the more shit wrestlers talk the more I like them as a rule <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. uh, exactly and, 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 and I, I pick my I pick my times I'm like if if there's if there's something I I feel strongly enough about I'll shoot that shot and I'll be like hey I'm, I'll put this out there and I will defend it until mm-hmm. until I die you know I, I put the one tweet out about you know the people that take deathmatch wrestling seriously and the people that just do it for for shits and gigs, I'm like, those people do it for shits and gigs can just hang their boots up and quit the business. Fuck those people. Yeah. But to the other people, thank you. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, fucking Orrin Veidt saying that. Who's he to say that? He's he's had an awful career where he's been carried and, like, he's been carried his whole career by everybody that he's been in the ring with. And I was like, look, man, have whatever opinions you want. My body of work speaks for itself. Yeah. Like, I fans can say what they what they think, but the the common belief is like oh yeah he's pretty good yeah i i would consider you in the crop of like deathmatch elite like when i think about you know top guys in the world and stuff your name is one that always comes up and i think like it's like i said you're only just getting started it almost feels like you know what i mean you're in peak performance you know the, yeah. the best shape of your life you're just ramping up and you you've got quite a bit of momentum behind you finals for king of the deathmatch so let's see where it goes from there Oh, I'm, I'm, He's I'm ready. hoping that, that steam keeps going. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is absolutely awesome, man. Um, so one thing I want to touch on before I wrap you up as I'm going to end up taking up your entire day uh, is something that we have. A, hey, this has uh, been great. Totally worth it. Oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. It's been a great conversation. Great getting to know you, man. Um, you spoke about your tattoos before. Uh, obviously, big, big uh, kind of devil tie, uh, goatee thing, you, dark prophet, all that kind of stuff. But I noticed straight away on your ribs that you have all the Green Lantern core rings uh, tattooed on your ribs. I'm a massive Green Lantern mark. Uh, Green Lantern Rebirth by Jeff Johns is probably like my favorite like comic book series leading into Blackest yes. Night and everything. So much so that when I released the last album my uh, my band ever did, in my in my thank you notes, it just said, I want to thank my family, my girl, my dog, and the writing of Jeff Johns, and that was all it said. <laughs> the other guys had paragraphs of stuff, and that's all that's all it said because I was that much about it, you know? Um, yes. That, that was also the series that got me into DC Comics, so I grew up a Marvel guy, X-Men. I've got X-Men, like, tattoo. I wonder if I can show you. Uh, I've got the... I see it. Yeah, yeah, it's the, the School for Gifted Youngsters logo, yep. and I've got the endangered species scene on my right shoulder. But... That was the series that did it, and Hal Jordan is uh, who I'd consider like my favorite hero. So, what did, uh, how did that series grab you and like turn you, you into a Green Lantern fan? I guess. So oddly enough, like I, you know, I'd grown up, you know, wanting to read comics, uh, and I, but I never really got a chance to. I would always watch it on you know TV and, and all that stuff. And you know, DC was always my thing. It was I, I never really cared for Marvel. I don't know what it was about DC. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually, like, as I became an adult, I was like, 
hey, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go to a comic book store because I don't remember ever going to one. I was the same. I was like, I'm an adult with human money. I can now go and purchase these goods and see what's all about. (laughs) Because when I was a kid, they would just appear on my nano and buy them for me or whatever. When I was an adult, I was like, I'm going to do this. And then I had, like, long boxes that would get pulled for me everywhere. It was was bad for a while. (laughs) Yeah, so so I went and... I saw that, like, oh, they're going through this rebirth thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, let let me see what this is about. I I grabbed Green Lantern because I've never been never been a big Batman guy. You know, a lot of people are diehard Batman, diehard Superman, you know, whatever it may be. But like, Green Lantern always kind of gravitated to me. I don't know what it was. I think maybe Hal Jordan and the way he is. Yeah, you know, the coolest. I, I I think just Hal Jordan being that guy. I was like, oh, I I can relate. Who doesn't to this. like like a pilot like you? cocky and he's wearing yeah. that sick jacket and he's like yeah you know throwing around boxing gloves and stuff he's wicked man he's he's a badass yeah, yeah. but it's like badass. but he's a relatable badass yeah. you're like i i can understand this guy he's not an alien he's not this you're like i get this guy this yeah. is a dude that like was like whoa what am i doing with this lantern ring yeah um but you know yeah. what? And the other thing that makes him so cool is that, like, he's just a normal guy. He doesn't have any powers. But when presented with this this thing that means, like, you have the most willpower here and that the only thing that makes this guy special is the fact that he never gives up, you know? And so when he's yep. in anything, he can always, like, draw on this and everything's bad and he's like, no, fuck you, I'm going to win. And he does through pure willpower and, like, I... Yep. As somebody who, I mean, always doubts myself in everything I do, it immediately spoke to me. I was like, there's something yes. about that guy that just never, like, gives in and will always fight through everything that makes him the best. Oh, uh, and, and that, that's, the, that's the draw to him, right? Yeah, yeah. Is, is like, that's, that's the dude, you know? Then you have the, the Kyle Rayners of the world who are, are like, gifted cool. in everything and, yeah. and can do everything. You're like, that guy's a little bit hard to relate to. Yeah. But I, I start getting into the, the Rebirth comics, and I'm like, wow, these are great. And I'm like, I'm captured by the story and the images. And and then as I'm going through that, I, I pick up Flash, and I, I pick up, you know, like like his, his bit with Aquaman. I was yeah. like, wow. Like, everything this dude writes is gold. Just turns to gold. I was like, what's fucking it next, does. Jeff? Let's go. And at the yes. time, it's how yeah, it was going. He was doing so on. good, they were just putting him on everything, you know? Like, well, everything he's doing is amazing. So, like, can you write every comic? And he's like, look, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, I, and, I, and, I'm out of it now because I need to, like, be married and not, like, just just get comics. But same. didn't they put him in charge of just, like, everything? Like, is he the boss yeah. now? Or basically he, he kind of is in charge of the overall vision of DC Comics, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah because I, I think at, at Rebirth, when, when they made that big overhaul and kind of re- revamped the look and all that stuff. Yeah. I think they noticed that, like, look, this guy gets it. He's passionate about what he does, and he understands each character. Because, like, he'd write Aquaman, and you're like, wow, I understand Aquaman I now. thought Aquaman write, was the least cool character ever, and now he's, like, a the, badass. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you read Jeff Johns' Aquaman, and you're like, wow, this dude's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, he, he's not the joke that everybody makes him out to be. No, no. You read Flash, and you're like, whoa, I, I just thought Flash was fast. Now, like... Now I feel for Flash. Yeah, yeah. You read Blackest Night, and you're like, this, oh my god. That comic slaps so hard for anybody who's into comics. If you read Blackest Night, it comes on so hot. Like, 
you you've got Hawkman and and Hawk Girl there getting murdered by like zombie elongated man and stuff, and I'm like, what yes. is happening here? It, like it, it's just it's murder, and then everybody's got a different ring based on their you know their traits, and you're like. What is this? Yeah. Oh, it's the coolest shit ever. Oh, and we skip past Sinestro War, which is the best fucking shit of all time. It's completely, like, overshadowed now by Blackest Night. But, like, Sinestro and, like, the Fear Core and all that stuff was so badass. I was just like, yeah. And then you're like, well, now I give a shit about Sinestro. Yeah, yeah. You're like, why Why am I caring so much about this dude that I'm supposed to, like, ideally hate? You're like, this guy's fucking awesome. It's because he's, like, all the best villains. It's like Magneto and stuff like that. It's the guys you can relate to. And in his eyes, Sinestro is the hero, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, like, he just is doing it his way. But he he thinks he's, like, doing the right thing for everybody. (laughs) You're you're like, he's not wrong, but he's not right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The way he's approaching this, he could do this better. (laughs) <laughs> a little less mass murder would probably go down go down would a side. probably be yeah, ideal yeah, exactly. but like I get what he's going for yeah exactly man yeah it was just so good and then as each core like kind of gets developed I mean he was so smart because he pulls on everything you ever like Voltron there's different coloured lines that are in different things. Yep. You know, Captain Planet. Everybody likes to have their Ninja Turtles. You know what I mean? Everybody likes to have a colour. Everybody likes to have a favourite one. Everybody likes to rep that. In the- He was a merchandising genius, like, because you're like, oh, yeah. what's that? Here I am in the blackest, like, the, the Black Lantern shirt. It's just black with, like, that suit. Like, everything was really subtle as well. So it's not like, I'm a comic book fan. You're, like, wearing all that stuff. So for most people that, like, see your tattoo they would just be like, oh, it's just symbols, you know? Like, it doesn't really yeah. come across as, like, super anything. I still Why? have not. I was going to get so many various Green Lantern tattoos that I just never got around to. And See, I probably still will. I, I'll probably still get a Hal Jordan at some point when I I I uh, was was lucky enough to, to be a victim of my own impulsivity. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I got all the, the logos and I moved them around in, like, Microsoft Word and like moved them so they looked like they do on my ribs. Yeah, yeah. And I brought it to the, my guy that did tattoos at the time, and I was like, "Can you put this on my ribs?" He's like, "Sounds good." Yes, done. <laughs> and I, I, you know, looking at it now, I'm like, "Whoa, this looks great!" And I was like, "I, I ended up nailing this." But you know, there's still so many other things I'd want to get, or like, you know, like e- even from Blackest Night, like, like Blue Lantern Flash, you know, or like. Or like Black Lantern Aquaman in that scene where it's just him on top of like a dead shark with like all the the dead uh, stingrays and hammerheads and stuff around him. That's I almost got that. I was that's the coolest. And I was like, how do you make Aquaman cooler? Make him a zombie. (laughs) That's how you do it. (laughs) And 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 everyone's like, well, shit, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Zombie Firestorm was like Black Lantern Firestorm was like terrifying. Like they. They did Since the when is Firestorm terrifying? I mean, you are you're like, this guy's legit. Elongated Man was the most terrifying one, though, when he just, like, creeps in, like, and murders that, you know, the Hawks, like, as this stretchy zombie. It's, like, so creepy. Oh. It's wicked. Oh, I am now going to spend the rest of my night going back and rereading that. Dude, I've got, like, oh, yeah. my storage. So we live in an apartment now. It's, like, two-bedroom, two-bath kind of apartment. My storage here is, like... Plastic containers just full of all my comics. Like, if I wanted to go read that, I would have to like 
Fucking yeah. try. Like, <laughs> it'd be so hard, man. But yeah, absolutely awesome. I just wanted to share that with you because I was like, there's not enough people oh, that I, I know it. like get it. Like, you know? Yes. Yes. And so many people like, you know, you, you try to talk about it. They're like, yeah, man, I think that's Green Lantern's pretty cool. You're like, no, you don't understand. Listen to what I'm cool saying. Is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is why, so this podcast I started in September last year. I've been wanting to do, uh, uh, a podcast in various kind of forms for a long time. And it was originally going to be a comic book podcast. And I even half recorded an episode about Blackest Night when it first came out, but I never did anything with it. I didn't really have the oh. confidence in releasing it. Didn't really know what I was doing, which is why when it came around to doing this, I'm like, I'm just going to do this now and I'm just going to start talking and see where it goes, you know. And, yep. and I'm glad I did. And now it ends up to be about wrestling, but it's cool that it can still come around to comic books uh, full circle today. Yes, yes. Awesome. Oh, see, now I'm excited about comic books again. Oh, no, we're both going to get addicted and stuff. I know. <laughs> I'm going to go to Mile High Comics weekend and I'm doomed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You, your wife will be contacting me like, what have you done? <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> yeah. I, I already warned her. I was like, look, I may or may not. And she's like, do not. Cause she's, she's, back, she's back in Minnesota for work. And I was like, look, I'm not responsible for any of my actions and purchases while you're gone. If you leave me alone, <laughs> what do you want me to do? Like, this is on you. <laughs> All comes full circle. Awesome, man. Yeah. All right, we'll do one game before we, we finish up. Uh, I, I like to sometimes put people on the spot and just ask them what you're feeling in wrestling at the moment. So if it's a match you've seen or someone you want to put over or, uh, you know, an old favorite or something like that, just to recommend something to somebody, what would you say? Damon Spriggle. Anything that Time Bomb Pro Wrestling does that, well, Time Bomb period, it's great. Watch any, anything they're putting out. Um, but Damon Spriggle, like, if you don't know his name, write it down. Like, follow that, follow him. He's still getting good at social media. He's a young kid. He's trying to figure it out. He's just finally breaking out. And, like, he – if you think I'm good, give him time and he will be infinitely better than me. That's a, that's but awesome, this, man. This, I, this I really enjoyed career. his stuff. He reminded me – when I saw him in the thing, reminded me of, like, a deathmatch young lion was how I thought yep. of him. <laughs> and, yep. and he brought that fire and I thought he was really cool. Um, I'd love to speak to him. So I might have to reach out to David and see how his journey's going, which would be awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's a fun conversation once you get him going. Yeah, no, I shall have to awesome. have to see if he's interested. Um, yep. With we didn't actually touch on Time Bomb enough, so why don't you give the people a little bit more detail about Time Bomb? Because yeah, I know you are their champion for a long time. They do a lot of stuff on YouTube. Where do people find Time Bomb? Uh, they can find it on on the YouTube channel. We have a lot of the stuff we did over the pandemic and a lot of the early stuff. You know, individual matches. Uh, otherwise, it's it's on IWTV. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the stuff now, uh, we, we do it through there. It started out as a show in a record store. Yeah. And it was just a no ring thing in between a couple bands. Yeah. And we were never supposed to be anything. And now, man, we're having so much fun. Yeah, the murder basement it, shows that you guys were doing yeah. during the lockdown were like creepy and awesome. The, and yeah, really the, cool. the snuff film looking. Yeah, it's just in the basement of a skate shop. That's why if you ever see me wear the, the skate shop shirt out to the ring, it's because that's where we did our shows. Oh, at. hilarious. Yeah, um, awesome. And and so that's 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 what kept us going. Doing those shows, even in front of no fans, was the was the most fun. You know, Time Bomb is is truly family. It's really DIY. 
And and Eric Morrison, the guy that runs it, mm-hmm. man, does he love wrestling, and man, does he just want to see Time Bomb be successful. After you know, we talk about it all the time. We're like, remember when we were only supposed to do one show? And look at look at where we are now. He's like, oh my god, it's so stressful. Every every week, he's stressed <laughs> that he's you know when he's running a show. Yeah. And then the show happens, and we're thrilled because we've packed the place, and it's awesome. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome, man. It's so cool to see something like that, and. You see more and more of it, like, COVID has been a bit of a blessing in disguise oh, yeah. for wrestling, and especially deathmatch wrestling, you know? And you hear that stuff, like, maybe as frustrating as everything is, and now everything's slower, and all, all these kind of things, maybe that would have never happened if not for that, you know? And so, oh, yeah. if, oh, it, absolutely. if all it did was create something cool like that, then that's pretty awesome. Yep. Absolutely, dude. Well, man, thank you so much for your time. It's been so cool getting to know you today. Uh, I think it's been a really great conversation, and we'll have to do it again sometime. Hey, at any time. That's anytime. That's awesome, man. Everybody, make sure you check out our man, the Wizard King, on social media. Where do they find you, my dude? At or invite on everything. I, I made it pretty streamlined, except Twitch. That's or invite eighteen. Eighteen. Seventeen yeah. other or invites before you. Oh yeah, yeah you know, but I, I'm I'm the real one. Oh well, I was born on the 18th of October, and 18 is my lucky number, so it must be a great channel. Make sure everybody Perfect. checks it out. It's going to be killer, dude. Thank you so much. So everybody out there for the Wizard King or invite and for Faces and Fields, remember it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, at Faces Feelscast, Twitter, at Faces Feelscast, and Facebook, at Faces Feelscast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com, and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com The official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G-Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestling, promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view.